Good morning and welcome. Happy Friday. I had to hook you guys up with a little hype music this morning. That, of course, was a little boozy. Uh, We've got a big show today. Thank you for listening, as always, to Bat Talk with Sharona. I am your host. My name is Sharona. I am mad. I am still mad about last night. We're going to talk about the debacle that is the NFL's professed uh, concern regarding player safety. Uh, but first, we're going to give you a little bit of a preview about what today's show is is going to um, consist of. First up is my brother and friend, Jeff Lloyd. Uh, Jeff writes for me um, at Inside the Pylon. He is a Jets guy. We're going to preview the, the Jets uh, season, talk a little bit about their off season, the quarterback situation, and get you guys a little bit of a scouting report on Jason Morrow. I just did a, a little quick blurb about him, looked at some film of him for Inside the Pylon. That'll drop uh, over the next couple of days. We'll, we'll let you know when, when that has dropped. If you want to catch up with me and keep up with what's going on with me, you can follow me out there in the Twitter sphere at Sports by Sharona. Uh, then at 11 o'clock, the 11 o'clock hour, we're going to have Lisa London on with your weekly fantasy football fix. Talk about who you should look at, who you should not look at. I'll get her thoughts on uh, C.J. Anderson. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin looked really good last night. Got a lot more snaps, I think, than most people expected. That was very encouraging if you like I do, if you have him on some of your fantasy teams. And uh, so we'll get Lisa's thoughts about that and more. We'll talk a little bit about her Miami Dolphins, too. I can't um, uh, can't let Lisa get on here without giving her a hard time about Ryan Tannehill. And then in our final segment, we're going to play the Titans versus Minnesota Vikings preview that I did with Andy Carlson uh, of Purple for the Win. Andy's a great guy. Follow him out there on Twitter at Andy Carlson. We'll be tweeting out all the Twitter uh, handles and and links to to where you can find the great work by all of the guests who are so kind to to join me, donate their time and, and attention to join me on this show. And of course, shout out to Matt Wood. Uh, who my friend Matt Wood, who joins me every week on a series, chopping it up with Matt. And we talked about the closure of ITT means and education in general on Wednesday and to Ed Kratz uh, of Calkins Media, who joined me as well on Wednesday to talk about Carson Wentz, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, the what to expect from them, the change in, in their defense, we always wish Coach Schwartz well here uh, on this show, and I'm excited to see, you know, what what they do this year. Uh, how big of a season will Fletcher Cox have? Uh, you can listen to to that a podcast segment. We just posted that last night uh, over at Spreaker, and we'll tweet out the links to that. Um, so I'm always um, looking for uh, for new guests to come on. It, so if you want to join me on the show, just hit me up out there on Twitter at uh, Sports by Sharona. Uh, but back to the Titans-Vikings preview. It's, you know, it's it's interesting. I may have to give Mike, Coach Mike Malarkey some shine and uh, admit that, you know, maybe he was right after all because, you know, as as the week has progressed, we're seeing more and more reports about 
uh, Sam Bradford, and what a quick learner. I'm using air quotes, quick learner uh, Sam Bradford is. And, uh, you know, Sean Hill must be stinking it pretty badly. Um, you know, I, I guess they know what they have there. And it was a lot to give up for Sam Bradford, as, as Ed and I talked about on Wednesday. Um, so Andy and I talk about that, and then a lot more. And by the way, I did, yes. Uh, we are team stand hard here. So I guess, you know, I, I stand a little bit. But I, I predicted the Titans to win 27 to 23. Uh, it's hard to say that the Titans have a home field advantage anymore. But I'm hopeful that the fans will show up this season there's a lot to like about what the titans are doing and they have some some new exciting play players on the team you know, particularly in the run game with demarco murray and and derrick henry and i think that they're going to be improved i've been saying that they'll probably go you know six and ten at least we'll see how how their season progresses i think seven and nine will um will win the the division if we have time um, in addition to to ranting about last night and um, all the the dirty plays by by the Broncos defenders, you know, I, I'm very curious, and I hate to do this to my to my girl Jennifer Eakins, but I wonder what it was like to watch that as a fan of the Denver Broncos. What it was like as a fan to to watch how that went down and to know, you know, that you won that game in the way that you did because you won it by cheating, you know, cheap shots and trying to take players out. That's cheating, plain and simple. And I wonder what it feels like to know that you might've gotten the win, but you showed who you were as a team in that way. And um, I don't know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll touch base with Jennifer and see if she wants to come on and talk about that. Maybe she doesn't. Uh, it has to be hard as a fan to to watch something like that go down and um, you know and, and to see your team play like that. It would have been absolutely disgusting to me if I were a fan of the Denver Broncos to to watch to, to watch that game. I, I I think I would have been beside myself, and I don't know what I would have. I don't know how I feel about that team. I can tell you right now, I lost a lot of respect for the Denver Broncos last night. A ton of respect for the Denver Broncos last night. And, you know, there's still some guys on that team that I that I like, DeMarco Ware uh, in particular. But overall, um, I think that they're a dirty football team. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what, um, you know, what repercussions come down from all of that. Fines are all well and good, and, and I certainly think that, that fines should be forthcoming. But that doesn't correct the problem. It doesn't correct what happened. It doesn't correct that the Broncos won a game that they shouldn't have won. If they had, you know, if they had played that game cleanly, they would not have won that game. There's no question in my mind whatsoever they would not have won that game if they had played it cleanly, but they didn't. And so they get to walk away the win that they didn't deserve. And there's no way that the NFL can correct that. They can't restore that, that win. They can't restore the game. You know, they can't go back and give Cam Newton 10 years of his life. So we'll get Jeff's thoughts on that and, and a whole lot more. So we'll take a quick break. We've got to hook Jeff up with some great walkout music. So stay tuned in. You are listening to Bat Talk with Sharona.
All right. Welcome back. I'm joined now by Jeff Lloyd. Jeff writes for me at Inside the Pylon. I kind of messed his song up. I'm sorry about that, Jeff. But I had to hook you up with some Bruce because I know that you love the Springsteen. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, any Jersey boy, I live in the town where, you know, he was born and raised. So, uh, you know, it's yeah. just, you know, for me, it's a thing, you know, and if you're a Jersey guy, it's either Bon Jovi or Bruce. And, uh, you know, I wasn't always so much into the, you know, the hair music so much as it is, but, uh, you know, Bruce yeah. Leifer actually just went and saw him again last Tuesday night, four hours and one minute. My wife, who's not a huge, huge fan, she even walked out of there though. And she was like, man, that was damn yeah. good. I love Bruce Springsteen. Um, I have not seen him in concert yet. That is definitely a bucket list thing. I'm disappointed in myself for not ever seeing him before, but I have seen Bon Jovi, and um, they are fantastic in concert. And that was that's been a few years ago. That was right before they kicked Richie Sambora out again. So um, again, <laughs> again, yeah. Right. So so I got to see the you know the original group, and that was great. And um, and by the way, you totally have the accent. So it, you know this is our first chance to to meet each other live um and, and hear each other talk and so you've totally got the jersey boy accent and i love that well 42 years here born and raised you know for years i you know told myself you know i'll be out of here i'll be out of here and you know here it is from <laughs> 1974 to 2016 and raising two little jersey girls myself here now so well, there you go see i was you know it was really hard um, and I like the song that I chose for you, but apparently the version that we did where we you know, faded it out and um, edited it correctly didn't get uploaded, or maybe it did. Blog Talk Radio sometimes likes to mess around with your with your uploads. Maybe that happened. But, you know, I had a hard time deciding what song to pick. There's so many great ones. Bruce has such a great catalog and, um, with, you know, with, with such a prolific career. Uh, it was really hard to to pick a song. I wanted to go with "I'm on Fire." That may be your outro song um, for for this segment. But as you as you listened, uh, as you heard, I am still mad about last night. I'm going to get Jeff's thoughts on that. But we're going to start with some Jeff's with some Jets talk. But before we get there, I want you to introduce yourself to the audience and tell tell them a little bit bit about you. Besides being a Jersey guy, where you, you know where you ride and where they can find you on on social media. Um, well, obviously, you know, my name is Jeff Lloyd. I'm here in New Jersey, like I said, for a long, long time. Uh, football has always been my life. Uh, I'm one of six kids, but I don't have a sibling. My siblings are either four years older than me or four years younger than me. So, I mean, I did kind of almost leave the existence of an only child just because my older brothers and sisters wanted nothing to do with me, and I wanted nothing yeah. to do with my younger brothers and sisters. <laughs> but uh, sports was always my outlet. It was always football, uh, you know, Giants, Jets. Uh, mm-hmm. first time, pretty much first time I saw Florida state university play a college football game about 11 or 12 years old. They were just doing things down there. That was just so, so much different from the up North schools here. Like, you know, I was force fed the Penn state, which was the, you know, run the right. ball 50 times a game. And it was just <laughs> boring. And you saw, you know, I got a taste of Florida football and, and seeing these guys out there, these ridiculous athletes with insane mm-hmm. speed and it was just and, – and I was lucky enough, my father actually had a grandma who didn't live far from Tallahassee. So whatever games I couldn't get, she was kind enough to record, and she would send them up. So about every Tuesday or Aww. Wednesday, I'd have a nice little v- VCR tape waiting in the mail for me and stuff to watch. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it just became hooked that way. And then as it went on, I mean, I've always been more of a college fan over 
NFL just because, you know, obviously, you know, 160 programs to follow every weekend, you know, the yeah. tradition that goes on, it, it just always yeah. just did more for me. Plus also these kids are, are playing to make money. What you saw a lot mm-hmm. with the NFL once is, is you saw the guys had their money and, you know, whatever happened, happened, albeit, you know, they were always good with it. As far yeah. as, you know, the writing and stuff like that, I'm a little in between things right now, just trying to finalize some things. Last year was a rough year. Uh, my father-in-law was actually very, very ill, so I kind of had to take on oh. some full-time father duties while, you know, my wife actually mm-hmm. tended to him and to his ultimate passing in June. Um, you know, so just a tough time. I had to put some stuff on the back burners like you. I was a, you know, blog talk show host, you know, every Monday night, kind of had to put right. that on the back burner. It just wasn't the most important thing at the time, you know, for what was best yeah. for me and, you know, and the ladies in my life. But, uh, you know, so all this, that, you know, all that stuff's going to start kicking up again uh, on Twitter at Jeff LJ uh, Lloyd. You know, huge, huge, uh, obviously, on there, uh, sitting in office all day long. You know, I'm free to talk about ball all day long, which is, you know, what I love. When I go home, not so much anybody wants to hear about it. So it's kind of like my outlet. Yeah, I can understand family responsibilities. And I had to take some time off over the spring myself to to attend to those things but you know i um i agree with you too you know college and we talked about that on the show not too long ago college football has such a rich tradition and uh, it really is a great game and and it's fun to watch and you know when you contrast what's going on in the nfl uh, in, in particular the game last night and you and i are going to talk about that later on in college football, there's there's a lot to like about um, you know, about the college game, and so I don't know. It's 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 hard. It's definitely a hard question. So the the Jets, you 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 follow the Jets, and and so you're familiar. And I've been wanting to talk about the Jets because I like them as a team. I, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a guy who um, has had some adversity in the league. He was the Titans quarterback for a couple of years. And it's interesting. We'll start with him. The quarterback situation is, and by by the way, I love Todd Bowles. um, And so I'm happy to see him get a head coaching gig, but the quarterback situation is interesting. Can Ryan Fitzpatrick put together two good years in a row? I think what, what aids Ryan Fitzpatrick is he's in the perfect offense. Obviously, you know, he's been with Chan Gailey before, so it's, you know, each week it's a sitting down of, you know, not, no, not so much of Chan Gailey saying, this is what I want to do this week. Whereas, you know, Ryan can sit with him and say, you know what? Yes, I agree with that as well. You know what? Why don't we do try this? Cause he just knows it so well. I think together mm-hmm. they can put together a game plan. They have a wide receiving core that fits Chan Gailey's offense. Yeah. Some guys with some long arms, six, two, six, three, even six foot four big bodies where the fact that they're going to run some routes, they're going to go over the middle. They're going to take their hits, but these guys are big enough boys that they should be able to hold on to these balls. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, obviously not the most gifted quarterback in the world, but he's intelligent. He's great as pre-snap reads, and he's got a quick release, all which aids in the Chan Gailey's offense. And these guys, just they work together. I mean, obviously they're not going to bust too many big plays. You know, Ryan's arm is not really built for that. You know, maybe there was maybe three, four balls that actually were completed that traveled more than 35 yards in the air last oh, year. Yeah? Okay. There are some there are some defensive coordinators who do have his number. Obviously, Rex Ryan, coaching up in Buffalo, has always mm-hmm. had success, so that makes it a little difficult. Those are always a huge two matchups the Jets will have this year, as Rex had his number mm-hmm. last year. But I, I do like the, the way the team is built for this year. I, I think just the continua, you know, continuing with what went on last year. You know, Decker. 
Anunwa, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Brandon Marshall. It's just going to continue right. as far as these guys all on the same page. And it should Poor lead to Brandon pretty good Marshall. success. <laughs> Poor Brandon <laughs> Marshall. I just have to say, you know, and, and I'm a big fan. And um, if you followed the game last night and, and, and you know what how, how that game went down, rest in peace his mentions, man, because he was getting all kinds of stuff directed at him instead of um, the Denver Broncos linebacker, Brandon Marshall. And I bet both of those guys are, if I were, listen, if I were a, a major athlete, a professional athlete or an entertainer, I would, I, I would turn my mentions off. I don't think I would even look at them because, you know, it was, it was horrible. You know, is, is this the best or at least one of the best wide receiver groups that the Jets have had in oh, the past 20 years or so? I'd say you'd probably put it down as one of the best probably ever as far as, I mean, just from top to bottom. I mean, just mm-hmm. ridiculous. I mean, obviously, Brandon yeah. Marshall, one of the top guys in the game, 100 reception yeah. guy. Eric Decker could be a, a number one in a lot of mm-hmm. situations in the NFL. Another guy, you know, should produce anywhere between 80 and 90 receptions. Quincy and yeah. will kind of a little bit of a tweener. But just last year, he was a guy who really grew, you know, had to deal with a little bit of a suspension issue. One that was over and passed him. You saw his game rise. Um, Devin Smith, obviously, out for the first five or six weeks, the second round pick. Things have been, obviously, a little shady for him. He may have not been the best fit for this offense as a pure vertical guy. So, you know, that's a little bit interesting. Um, You know, uh, uh, undrafted free agent Robbie Anderson out of Temple. Here's a guy that just came into camp every day and continuously beat people deep, continuously caught the ball. I was actually at his pro day. I watched teams, including your Tennessee Titans, work him Mm -hmm. at cornerback. And I actually Mm -hmm. scratched my head and I was like, wow, here's a guy who had a really good year at wide receiver. Now he's getting worked out at cornerback. Jets brought him in, put him at wide receiver. He did nothing but dominate throughout the preseason, earned himself a spot. And then even Jalen Marshall out of uh, Ohio State, a guy that probably shouldn't have left Ohio State when he did. You know, yeah. a redshirt sophomore, only played yeah. two years, just turned 21 in June, just kind of scratching the surface as a player. Started off really hot, you know, had a couple of miscues and drops during games. Then all of a sudden, as a, UD, uh, as a UDFA, you got voices in the back of your head. If I make mistakes, am I not going to make this team? I think now that he knows he's on this team, does the confidence come back and he doesn't just go out there and make plays? Because it's one thing they need in the wide receiving core. It's maybe a little bit of smaller, darting, quicker guy to do some things. Mm-hmm. And Jalen Marshall should have that opportunity on Sunday. He's uh, going to see some looks in four yeah. wide receiver sets. I was going to ask you about him because I am intrigued by him. And I agree. He came out too early. You're seeing that more and more. There was a really good article over at the ringer by Kevin Clark talking about the age of NFL players and how it's a problem and, and all of that. He He's an intriguing guy. I'm glad to see that he made the roster and um, he's a guy that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Back to the quarterback situation. What what does the future look like for Geno Smith, first of all? And then uh, a two-parter here. Which young developmental quarterback would you focus on? Um, first off, I don't think this – if anything, God forbid, were to happen to Ryan Fitzpatrick, with the schedule the Jets are playing this year, it's just not going to be pretty. Geno Smith yeah. with his long wind-up with Chan Gailey's offense, they don't really seem to be a match. I can understand the fact that he's still here, that you're talking with a guy like Bryce Petty who came from the system in Baylor, had to learn mm-hmm. a lot as far as a pro offense, <clears throat> made really good strides to this point, but obviously now dealing with a shoulder issue that's going to keep him out for a few weeks. 
But long-term, you know, Geno Smith will not be here beyond this season. There are teams in the NFL that would definitely have interest in him. Everybody always likes to fix a broken quarterback. Or, you know, he did have some success. It's just I don't think it's going to be here. Now, as far as the two quarterbacks, the Christian Hackenberg pick, I have no problem with drafting a developmental quarterback that you say we got to rebuild. He needs a lot of work with his footwork. He needs a lot of work with what the offense that he ran. My issue is drafting that in the second round. You want to tell me that's a fifth, (laughs) sixth round pick? By all means, I'm totally great with it. And you want to know what? We have no plans on using the guy this year. That's fine. When I had other issues, the fact that I may be very shaky at right tackle, but I took a fourth quarterback before that, yeah, I have some issues there. But, you know, uh, Randy McCagnan has done a great job to this point, so I I can't question him here because a lot of the moves with the saga with Mo Wilkerson, you know, can he be signed, can he be signed, how long it took to bring Fitzpatrick back, my mantra was just trust him. He's done the job to this point, just trust him. So, you know, I will give him a pass here. The fact that Paxton Lynch was taken a couple of picks after the Jets by the defending Super Bowl champions and could be fast-tracked to be starting by October, I mean, that could be something that comes back to bite him in the ass. Um, But, you know, so you'll go next year. Obviously, it'll be fits to start, I would believe. I think right now they believe that they'd be in a spot where either Hackenberg or Petty could be next in line. Both have arm, have NFL arm talent, can throw the deep ball which is something you don't get with Fitzpatrick. They do not have the decision-making yet. Neither one of them has the quick release yet. And just essentially the NFL guts to go out there to this point. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's going to be a road to be traveled. I was a Bryce Petty fan. I seem to end well, up liking Baylor. I end up liking Baylor players a lot. I, I just like the, I mean, I understand it doesn't translate right away, but you know, if you're just going to go out there and run plays and run deep patterns and score points, I think as far as, bringing those type of guys into the NFL. I don't see it why it should succeed. These guys have had a ton of, of offensive success in college. So some of that should translate pretty easily, in my opinion. I'm a big Bryce Petty fan as well. And, you know, outside of the questions that I had about Christian Hackenberg, it just, you know, it was head-scratching to me in so many ways. And I understand, you know, the situation with Ryan Fitzpatrick and, you know, getting him back in and signed and everything and that um, standoff lasted way too long uh, for, for a lot of reasons, but having, listen, it's never a good thing when your, your team is carrying four quarterbacks. I'm sorry. It's just not. And that, that's a lot of roster space committed to, to that position. And I don't even like to see teams carry three Although, you know, with the Titans, I, I certainly understand it a little bit better. But it, it's interesting. Do you think that Geno Smith still has a future in the league? I think there's going to be teams who, who have interest. There's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, you know, you look uh, – you know, there's, there's guys who've gone, bounced three, four, five spots mm-hmm. and gotten a chance to start with, you know, several NFL teams. Yeah. So the fact that, you know, Geno Smith wouldn't get a char- chance to start somewhere else – I maybe thought, you know, with the Teddy Bridgewater injury, would Minnesota have interest? I mean, obviously they went all in by giving up a number one pick and chasing down Sam Bradford, and Philadelphia basically scrapped their entire 2016 season plans because of the allure of a first-round pick for a guy like Bradford. So there's definitely places he can go, and even so, there's places where he can go and be a quality backup. I think if he were to somehow maybe find a way in Arizona, he could possibly fit where they feature Mm -hmm. a lot of deep passing game. Kansas City with Andy Reid. I mean, there's places he can go and probably perform and not perform too badly. But I I just don't think it's here. Um, And obviously, when they first came in, 
Geno Smith was on this roster. They went out mm-hmm. and they traded for Ryan Fitzpatrick. They went out and they drafted Bryce Petty. Now this year they went out and drafted Christian Hackenberg. I mean, that, the writing is on the wall there. Obviously they didn't think much of him because within 12 months they went out and acquired three more quarterbacks. So, mm-hmm. you know, if Geno's here, he's in a tough spot. You know, the best thing to do right now is just be quiet. You know, be, you know, play the role of the good soldier and, you know, come January, it's up. You know, everybody's just going to have a mutual parting of the ways and hopefully Gino will go on a greener pastures. Uh, Bill Belichick had, had something interesting to say this past week. I want to ask you about it. He said it's not necessarily the job of the veteran quarterback to mentor the younger guys. And that's striking to me. Of course, it's hard, right, to groom your successor, and that is asking a lot of someone. But, you know, it is important to um, pay it forward, I suppose. How do you feel about that statement, and how true do you think it is? Uh, the way I kind of took it, though, because, you know, everybody always wants to critique Belichick for anything he said. But anything with mm-hmm. Bill Belichick, you kind of have to look at what he said and then almost give it like a Belichick definition. I think what he said, basically, basically what he said is, is I can teach you if you work hard enough to learn. I am not yeah, going to teach you to it. learn how to realize what I'm teaching you. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work that way. So I think that's part of the issue there. And look, I, I, me as an established 10, 11-year NFL quarterback, there's no reason I should have to give up any of my extra time or free time that I have to work with you more. You better, do, you better do two hours extra on your own so then yeah. when we are together, you are picking up what I'm laying down. I think yeah. that's kind of what it comes down to. And, you know, obviously there's guys in this league, and, and we know it, there's guys who want to do the absolute minimum yes, and hope that they absolutely. get by. Yeah. And then you look at guys where there's Jameis Winston, who took a lot of critiquing coming in this league. He's the first one in the building in Tampa every day. And why is he the first one in the building? Because he's, he wants to do his work, and he's also good enough that he wants to go out and be in the community, do charitable mm-hmm. events, and it's either, you know, you're either going to go that route or you're not. And, you know, yeah. some guys, they just want to do what's minimal and think the talent's going to get them by. And regardless of how talented you are at the quarterback position, if you're not doing your extra film study, it's going to be really tough to succeed. Yeah, it's so funny. I completely agree with what you said. And But but there are little things that veteran guys can do, you know, like in the, the quarterback meetings and, you know, including the younger guys and, uh, as you're talking about things and, and, you know, explaining. But it is, I, I completely agree, over everything else, it is incumbent on younger guys to put in the time and to pay attention and to listen and to, to learn on their own. And the the situation you just, just described is Vince Young. And he is a perfect example of a guy who – did not succeed because he wasn't willing to put in that time. He thought he could get by on natural talent alone, and, you know, it killed his NFL career. Absolutely. A phenomenal athlete. And the worst, honestly, thing that probably happened to Vince Young was success coming early because yeah. he came in with a slow work ethic and not wanting to put in the extra ethic, and he got – he obviously had success early and yeah. thought, okay, this is all I need to do. You know, whereas you look at, you know, obviously, you know, not to compare everybody to the Mannings of the world every off season. Mm-hmm. All right. What can I add to what I did last year? So I can make yeah. sure I'm a little bit better than I was the year before. And you yeah. know, that's how guys like that burn out as quick as they do. Yeah. You know, and the situation was, was sort of similar to, to RG three and what happened in, in Washington with the owner kind of coddling the young guy and um, being a protective barrier 
between the young guy and, and, and the coaching staff, particularly the head coach. And, you know, those things create frictions and what, what have you. But let's go ahead and move on. The running back situation is interesting to me. I have Matt Forte in a league or two, but Bilal Powell was so cheap. I picked him up. I have him um, more than I do Forte. What do you expect? How are the carries going to be divvied out there? I think you're going to see a lot more of Forte probably as a main runner. Um, Bilal Powell has been very effective in his time here with the Jets. But one thing is his injuries have been an issue that he's had yeah. to deal with. He's shown very effective as a you know receiver. One thing that's really interesting about Bilal Powell is every, every uh, camp, every year, every exhibition season, it almost looks like he is a little bit quicker than he was the year before, which is just rare. I mean, I don't know, you know mm-hmm. exactly what he's doing with his off-season workouts, but you know, the, he always comes in with a little bit more juice, it seems, than the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're in a little bit of a tough spot. I mean, obviously, fantasy-wise, either way, they're good options to have. They're both going to mm-hmm. get catches. You know, they're both mm-hmm. going to collect yards. But it's really only the two of them right now. Obviously, an undrafted free agent as a third guy. I doubt that's going to stick very long. Jets made a move today, created about $2.5 million more in cap space. I know they've had meetings with Carlos Williams from Buffalo already. I'm not sure okay. maybe if they're poking around that fire. Obviously, he's still got, you know, not available to week five with his four-week suspension. So interesting that they just went ahead today and now have their cap up to almost $6 million. So you have to think the reason to do they've done that is because they're definitely looking to add a third back or maybe some right. offensive line help. But uh, definitely, it's not going to be an even split. I'd say maybe more of a 65-35. But with Matt Forte at the age he is, you got to think mm-hmm. that there's going to be some weeks where Bilal Powell is feeling it, producing yeah. well, and you know you're going to you can save some miles on Matt Forte mm-hmm. just saying, look, you know this week ain't your week. I think Matt yeah. Forte, as the Bears, you know, have gone to a lower rung team. It was, you know, maybe a chance for him to go on, you know, maybe have a little success, you know, towards, you know, maybe what are maybe the last one, two, three years of his career here as he phases out. But, I mean, a great player overall, if he can be limited in his touches, obviously the more useful and helpful he can be. Yeah, I would liken that situation sort of to the situation in Tennessee with DeMarco Murray, uh, who's younger, but still, uh, with DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry, you know, and how they might – uh, you know, sort of monitor and manage their carries in, in, in that situation. And, you know, I just – Bilal Powell's talented. I think Derrick Henry's a little bit more talented. But also he's a young guy and still, you know, kind of feeling his way into the league. And, of course, with pass protection and, and whatever, you want to ease him in, you know, a little bit. But, you know, I think that in it's similar to that and that you'll see whichever guy's, you know, kind of the hot hand – which is an overused cliche, but I think it works. You know, whoever has the hot hands going to get, you know, the the bulk of the the work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Henry, Henry, I had concerns with just because you see a guy of that size, and we mm-hmm. we we don't see a lot of that in the NFL and having a lot of NFL success. Uh, to this point, through his preseason work, I mean, he's kind of shut me up. You know, hitting the hole 100 miles an hour. You know, he me, the good. former defensive back guy, I am. I, mm-hmm. I, he, you got him one-on-one, I'm telling you right now. Uh, I'm faking a cramp. I'm faking a hamstring. Uh, <laughs> I want no part of 250 pounds lowering yeah. down on me, none whatsoever. I mean, plus the fact that he is fast enough, he can run past you. So He's that's amazing. That Murray, I mean, there's times where, you know, uh, Henry's going to knock your teeth in and Murray's going to run past you. Or Murray's going to run past you, and now guess what? Henry's going to knock you. It's, it's a lovely combo. I think it should help the fact that they don't have 
a very good wide receiving core down in Tennessee. Should make things easier for the success. Keep things a little more simpler for Marcus because he doesn't have all the talent around him that some quarterbacks are allow you know are, are fortunate enough to have in this league. So I mean, running the ball, playing some defense—that's obviously going to be the key down in Nashville. Now I'm going to have to get on you, Jeff. You, you, we we do not accept any Tabe Sharp slander here uh, on this show. No, I'm just kidding. But I will I will address that here. And I'm talking to Jeff Floyd, by the way. Uh, thank you for joining me, Jeff. And uh, since you brought it up, and I do want to ask you, I was very, very high on Calvin Pryor coming out. And since you are a former DB, I want to ask you about him. But before we even get there, and since you brought it up, the breathers and whatever, I have to ask you, Tennessee came out, me and my alma mater, the Tennessee Volunteers, came out this week and said that they were going to uh, – Sheeps came out and said that he was going to – run this evolutionary, newfangled, no-huddle defense. And I almost lost my mind over this, by the way. What do you make of all of that? I mean, that's not really how it works, is it? I think a lot of what it's coming down to now is there is so much offense being called at the line. It's, it's always the game of chess, and it's what you did, now what I do. So, obviously, if the offense is being called at the line, you've got to get yourself mm-hmm. in a position where your defense can be called at the line. And eventually they'll mm-hmm. go back to some more huddling up from the offense. But it's, it's just the give and take of the way it works. And, look, these guys are athletic enough and are so crazy athletically nowadays. They should be able to adapt a lot quicker on the fly. So it's okay. But, I mean, but with the movement and the way everything's done and the, the rapid pace of the game, maybe the fact that huddling up and having you guys run in and then run I mean, it, it's, it's wasted motion on them. Because, I mean, literally your huddle consists of no, – it used to be, what, 10, 15 seconds? A defensive yeah. huddle now consists of three, if that. And a lot of times, I mean, and it started with DBs, you know, guys who were island cornerbacks. Yeah. What am I even bothered going to the huddle for? I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I've got whatever guy is furthest out wide, man to man. So, I mean, it's just the evolution, obviously, of the game, and it's the, you know, the counteraction to offenses doing what they're doing. So, I mean, yes, it, it, it does seem a little weird, but, I mean, this is, you know, you watch a game 25 years the game from then till now, it, it is almost a dinosaur-looking game. It's just the way it goes. Yeah, now I understand all of that. I know that um, with with the evolution and the rule changes and, and what have you, um, that, you know, offenses, everything's a lot quicker and and all of that. But I think my concern is, you know, you, you're going to have to to factor in substitutions and guys are going to get winded and, no, it's just a whole I, – I, I'm very curious to see how all of that is going to work in, in, in practice. In theory, it sounds great, but in, in practice, I think it's a whole different thing. Uh, Calvin Pryor, give us a, an update on what's going on on the defense. Is it going to be as good as it was last year? Uh, Calvin Pryor was interesting, obviously. You know, known out of college as a big, big hitter. Not very mm-hmm. disciplined in pass coverage. Now, mm-hmm. Rex Ryan, obviously a guy who loved him, drafted him. What did he do? Mm-hmm. He played him to the weaknesses of his game. He wanted him <laughs> to come in and play a traditional free safety role. It didn't mm-hmm. work out very well. didn't work uh, out he's well not a- at all. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, and Calvin had problems. And, of course, now playing in New York, the media gets to you. He's not doing what he needs to be doing. No, right. he was not doing what was not part of his game. And, yes, he was failing at it. I completely agree, yeah. Todd Bowles came in and said, man, I got a guy who within the 10 to 12 yard range is going to light people up. And he did. There were a couple of receivers whose Sundays he ended last year. 
He showed mm-hmm. decent coverage skills in zone, in the red zone. Uh, huge interception in the end zone against mm-hmm. Dallas last year, playing his own. Mm-hmm. Much more comfortable. You know, obviously, you know, you know, everybody wants the day on Buchanan type where you take a fantastic safety and make him a linebacker. He's not mm-hmm. exactly doing that just yet, but he's playing six, seven yards off the ball, being allowed to basically not have to, you know, backpedal as much, just react to what's in front of him and lay the wood to people. Last year was a phenomenal year for him. I expect nothing but better things from him. Now, the defense, obviously the defensive line, Mo Wilkerson's heel long-term now. Uh, obviously brought in McClendon after losing Damon Harrison, who might be a little bit more athletic than Harrison. Harrison was a lot stronger. So we're not going to lose as much on the defensive front. Leonard Williams is going to play more inside. A guy drafted just in case Mo wasn't able to stick long-term. Defensive line, ridiculous. David Harris, obviously the you know, team leader on this defense. Everything runs through him. First-round pick, Darren Lee, uh, Duran Lee out of Ohio State. Here's the guy that Bowles kind of has picked to maybe be his Buchanan. Obviously, Daniel Buchanan is the guy he put in that spot. Lee, who ran sub-4-5 at the Combine, still has some lot to learn playing inside, which is what he's going to be doing here. The secondary, cornerback-wise, Second cornerback, Adi Milner, after years and years of just hurt and not doing much when he was playing, they just mm-hmm. scrapped it. It was never one of their guys anyway. You know, Buster Screen's going to start outside. He'll go to nickel. You know, when they go to those situations, maybe a little bit of an issue there. The edge rushers, still young, not really established. But can the D-line, who are going to consume so much blocking, make their lives a little easier to get to the quarterback? I think it should work out well. I like this defense. The biggest issue I do have for this Jets team is this is a real, real difficult schedule. So we're going to see how this unfolds. I mean, playing the mm-hmm. NFC West is no cupcake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Todd Bowles, and it's so funny. I laughed, but and I love Rex Ryan. Don't get me wrong. The entertainment value alone is is enough to make me love him. But you know, you mentioned that he didn't. Calvin Pryor is a strong safety. He's not a free safety, and that was just weird um but but Rex Ryan did it last year with Mario Williams and you know and and the the Bills defense and you know of course now he's brought his brother in and I just they've got so much talent I shudder at the thought of what they're going to do with it the issue honestly though I mean you lose probably their star defensive player Marcel Darius for four weeks uh you know some injuries uh you know other suspensions going on in Buffalo Yes, Rex Ryan Rex Ryan is great, but if he doesn't get your team in the playoffs, the hooting, the hollering, the great one-liners, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's all rubbish. And, it, you know, it was great for the first couple of years. Once this team started <laughs> to turn downward and Rex still wanted to shoot his mouth off, it's mm-hmm. like, it, you know, it's, it's like enough already. You know, I mean, yeah. he promised Super Bowls. It, we got mm-hmm. to the playoffs. It didn't work. It, but now you're still mm-hmm. hooting and hollering. And now here mm-hmm. we are as 7-9 and nine team or drafting 20th in the draft. You, you can't be. You can't have it both ways. <laughs> you no, got to admit can't. your team isn't what it is. No. no, I completely agree. How do you feel about the Jets bringing back Antonio Allen? I actually like it. Uh, you know, at the time there were only three safeties on the roster. I had a young man on the practice squad who should be a part of things. You know, in due time, Antonio Allen was a good player here. But now again, Antonio Allen came, he played some good strong safety for us, and now Rex got cute. Let's try him a little bit of free safety. Did okay there. Now Rex tried to take it one step cuter. We had cornerback issues. So we took a guy who was a college linebacker, that we moved to strong safety, that we asked to play free safety, and we put him at starting cornerback. And then it all fell apart there. 
then came back, obviously, for one other camp and injury, and it was over. Antonio Allen was a good yeah. Jet when he was playing in the role he was asked for here. I, I like the fact he's back, uh, you know, obviously – you know, a little bit humbled after the injury and been traveling around the league a little bit, you know, knows a lot of the guys here, you know, was happy here, was comfortable here, wants to succeed here. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see how much he's still got in the tank, you know, if he's, you know, obviously fully recovered from the Achilles. If he is, I, you know, I don't think as a, you know, 52nd, 53rd guy on the roster, you can really ask for much more. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Oh, I want to ask you about your tight ends, and of course, I get a scout, a little bit of a scouting report on Jason Morrow. But I'm looking at the roster, looking at the depth chart at tight end. I'm still surprised that they released Jason Morrow. Give me a a, a report on your tight end position, and, and why did they decide just to go ahead and move on? Well, first things first, Chan Gilly doesn't really have much use for a tight end. And that's one thing we noticed throughout last season. And, you know, uh, you know, Jason Morrow obviously, you know, played a big slot position down at Texas Tech, which he excelled in. Yep. They're yeah. not going to do that here with the Jets. That's the reason they have Brandon Marshalls. That's the reason they have Eric Deckers. That's the reason they have Quincy Anunwas. They got guys big enough to play big slot but have wide receiver speed. So he, he was a fit, obviously, once Gailey was brought in here through the Bulls regime. Obviously got hurt last year, missed the entire year. So basically, mm-hmm. they didn't know much about him to have much of a feeling about him. Yep. You know, he, they, you know, the tight ends when they do use him here, they want to use him in line, which is not Jason, Jason Morrow's strength. He's mm-hmm. not the best blocker. You know, as you would think at his size, he would be a, at least a serviceable blocker, which he really mm-hmm. isn't. Then we got in the games this year after kind of a weak camp. There were some times the alligator arms not chasing balls, which you don't really want to see from a six foot six, two hundred and forty five pound guy. And the other thing was he wasn't drafted by this regime, which yeah. you saw with Dean Milner as well. Whether or not you were a first or second round pick, we're now equating injuries into the factor. We're equating that we didn't, when we did see a play, we didn't see much. So it just came time to look, let's cut bait. Uh, let's go with guys who are going to be here every week and can at least put, do the minimal roles that we're going to ask them to. And, you know, it was kind of weird because, uh, you know, as, you know, uh, Amaro got cut, you, you st- everyone still, oh, well, Jets need a tight end, Jets need a tight end. Jets don't think they really need a tight end. What they're asking yeah. the tight end to do is basically a third tackle and, and things of that nature. Kellen it, Davis, reminds me is, of, it reminds me of ahead. what Bruce Arians does in Arizona with his tight ends. Pretty similar. I mean, we're not going to ask, ask you to run many routes. So when you do, you better succeed. If you don't, I'll just be happy with the guy who can block. And that's basically what it came down to. And honestly, for Jason Morrow, it was probably the best thing for him. I think I completely agree with that. And um, we'll talk a little bit later after. We, we, I, I want to get uh, Jeff's thoughts on last night and talk a little bit about the Cam Newton situation and 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 maybe get a, a couple of week one predictions. But I'm still mad, Jeff. I am. I, last night I was livid over what I was watching on my Xbox One streaming the game via the NBC Sports app. Did you I, I know that you watched the game because you were in my timeline. Did you have similar feelings? I, I well, oh absolutely. I mean, first off if we're talking college rules applied to the NFL. Brandon Marshall, yeah, you you took an E from the national anthem. You also would have gotten booted from the game. You would have gotten ejected. 
Also, Hypocrisy Stewart, at its finest, by the way. Darian, absolutely. Darian Stewart, the last hit towards the end of the game, you would have been ejected if that was college. Mm-hmm. These guys mm-hmm. were teeing off on him. And, look, the thing I don't understand is when has the NFL ever gotten to a point where a quarterback league MVP getting calls? I mean, most of the time we're arguing, about, we're arguing about phantom calls on NFL MVP quarterbacks. You breathe on Tom Brady. You breathe on Tom Brady. They're going to call. They're going to throw a flag. You touch Peyton Manning. You're going to get a flag. It's amazing how differently they treat Cam Newton. Well, I mean, and the other thing is though is even if you're pass rushing, you can't even put your hand on the quarterback's helmet without getting a penalty. But now we're talking Von Miller went head to head. Now you're talking Marshall went head to head. Stewart, they did call it. But, I, but the thing about the Stewart call is, are you going to tell me that uh, you're go, you know, it's intentional grounding, that the ball didn't oh, reach the uh, line of scrimmage, I'm that cancels out the fact that somebody went head-to-head to a, to a quarterback? That's and, and, just and, mind-boggling. There's no, I mean, you're basically equating jaywalking to manslaughter as a crime in that I scenario. Know. I know. And, and first of all, I don't think that he had released the ball. Um, and, and second, who cares? You're ignoring the fact that they were teeing off on his head, and and that was a real issue even leading up to that situation. That offsetting penalty thing, I literally almost lost my mind over all that. It was completely and utterly insane. And the Brandon Marshall thing, I you know, it's all well and good to support Colin Kaepernick, and I support Colin Kaepernick and what he's doing and all of that. But if you're if you're taking a knee because of oppression and then going out and teeing off on an opposing player and hitting him in the head, you're a big, huge hypocrite. I mean, it, it, it's kind of it, it's kind of definitely strange to the fact of. Man, we got to stop violence. We have a lot of issues in this country with violence. But uh, hey, check me out here as I launch myself five yards away from someone and go head to head. It definitely, you know, I mean, he's definitely going to have a huge fine coming this week. He, uh, I'm assuming, a lot of Denver is going to be. But look, I mean, standing, uh, taking the knee from the national anthem, whether you agree, you don't agree, that doesn't matter. I think we're all 110% agreement that this country's got some issues. And look, if this can lead to getting some of this resolved and getting this mm-hmm. better and saving some civilians' lives and saving some lives of police officers, yes, I'm all for that, 110%. But it is kind of funny, though, that you know the stance that Mr. Marshall decided to take and then how he chose to play the game afterwards. I'm, I'm beyond myself. I've kept you too long. Do you want to give me any week one predictions? Are there any other games that you're interested in this weekend? One one of the bigger the big ones is I see so many predictions of Patriots to the Super Bowl, which mm-hmm. you know hey I know the history that they got going on up there. Obviously Bill Belichick hands down the mastermind of this game, but yes. I just don't know how you can just assume that they're going to go the first four weeks with mm-hmm. offensive line issues without Tom Brady, without much to speak of as a running game. Uh, Rob Ninkovich, one of the most effective players, is suspended for the first four weeks how everyone just assumes they're just going to roll through this first four weeks. Mm-hmm. Arizona, obviously a huge Super Bowl favorite for a lot of people. I, I, I don't see them walking into Arizona and, 
even winning the game, let alone maybe not losing by more than 10 points. Mm-hmm. Houston, week three, ridiculous defensive line, able to play very well, obviously, and one of the best receivers in all of football, New Hopkins. I don't understand how everyone just makes the assumption that New England can just ease on through and just make it to another Super Bowl. That's one that surprises me. They're a team I'm going to be watching very anxiously, obviously, Sunday night and the first couple of weeks. And obviously, mm-hmm. you, know, I, you, know, you know, just you know, so many you know, new faces and new places that you want to see how they're going to succeed. Obviously, Tennessee, definitely interested. Obviously, the new backfield down there with Murray and Henry. Mm-hmm. You know, is it going to make Mariota's life easier where he's able to go ahead and work a little more free on his passing game? You just is it, Are things going to be easier down there? I mean, AFC South on a whole is a division we expect to see some growth from. Jacksonville, yeah. you know, obviously things come, you know, taking steps forward. You know, obviously Tennessee, Andrew Luck back in Indianapolis this year. You know, Houston, you know, brand-new quarterback on a big, fat contract. Drafted a first-round rookie wide receiver. Definitely, you know, that's a division as well. I want to see week one and see how these changes are going to help these teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great stuff, Jeff. I've kept you way too long, but I do appreciate you joining me this morning. Tell everybody once again where they can find you. Uh, you know, as for now, I'll have some announcements coming soon. Uh, mm-hmm. Twitter, at Jeff, uh, underscore LJ, underscore Lloyd. Always there. Uh, you know, just uh, can't wait for Sunday. Obviously, juice is flowing with a little appetizer last night. Really looking yeah. forward to it, Sharona. Yeah, good Jets. Thanks again. I'm at all. Have a great one, all right? You too. All right. Bye. <gasps> All right, shout-out to Jeff Lloyd for joining me in our first guest segment to talk about the Jets, talk about Jason Morrow, um, touch upon the the Cam Newton situation last night. I'm going to be talking about that a lot more. I may even write about that situation. Um, We'll see how – I've got a busy day ahead. Then I'm going – actually going to Nashville to – I'm going to be attending a Titans game for the first time in a couple of years, so I'm sort of excited about that. going to get – to see some friends in Nashville this weekend. It'll be a fun time. Get to hang out with my buddy, Zach Law, and meet uh, another um, uh, football aficionado in uh, Josh DeKester. And so I'm excited about that. It should be a fun time. Maybe get to, to tailgate with some more Titans people. We'll see how how the weekend goes. And see my girl, Cindy. So I'm excited about that, too. Uh, Jason Morrow is, is interesting. You know, it was really good great to get uh, Jeff's thoughts on him and, and the Jets tight end situation and how they use tight ends. It definitely does put me in the mind of, of Bruce Arians and the Arizona Cardinals and and how they utilize their tight end position. Jason Morrow, I went back and, and looked at uh, his college film and looked at some of, some of his NFL film. As Jeff mentions, there's not a whole lot of it because you know, he did miss the one season with an injury. And so we haven't really had an opportunity to see him very much. And I was initially, I was surprised hearing Jeff explain it. it makes a lot more sense in the Titans picking him up. There's a lot of opportunity in Tennessee for Jason Morrow. Um, so what? So what I did was sit down and look at, you know, his film, and and then I went back and looked at at Delaney Walker's film just to compare the two. And, and and see how the how you know their their games compare and as Jeff mentioned Jason Morrow isn't the blocker 
that Delaney Walker is. But I thought overall when he was engaged, and this is the problem that I see with Jason Morrow. You're, it, hopefully my inside the pylon look at him is going to drop in the next couple of days. The problem that I see with Jason Morrow is that his game has not grown. Now, again, he hasn't been given a lot of opportunity. Um, the injury, you know, cutting his, his season short last year, not, not playing, um, you know, really, really sort of hurt him. But I haven't seen his game grow from, from when he was in college. And that's always concerning if you don't see growth in, in a player. And there were, of course, the reports out of, uh, out of, um, New York, New Jersey, New York, about um, off-the-field things and partying and, and lack of dedication. And you see that in his game. The the one thing, I think Jason Morrow is a better blocker maybe than he gets credit for when he is engaged. He tends to lose focus, though. And, um, and that d- doesn't just affect his blocking. It affects his receiving as well. Um, he, he blocks way too high. It, it's interesting. Again, hopefully that that article will drop soon. But I'm excited about the possibility. Um, the Titans right now, uh, last time I had an opportunity to look at it, they only had three tight ends on the roster. I haven't seen any moves come across the wire, so I think that still holds true. They've got Philip Supernaw. If you follow me on Twitter, you know I've got a nod to Philip Supernaw in my Twitter handle, Supernaw Sharona. I love that name. It's a great football name. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity in Tennessee for Jason Morrow, and it's a it's a system that um, is is pretty friendly to the tight end. Delaney Walker having a uh, having career seasons since the Titans. Listened to Sharona and picked him up in the off season a few years ago, and um, it, it, the contrast is is pretty interesting between between him and Delaney Walker. And you know, if he will watch and and learn a little bit, you know, you can always. I learn something every single day. Never stop learning. You know, you may be a fantastic athlete, but you can still learn by watching other other guys. And hopefully, he'll do that. And it will help improve his game, and um, I'd like to see him on the field some this year. And I do think that they're going to utilize, you know, two, if not maybe three, tight end sets. So, um, you know, there's an opportunity for Jason Morrow in Tennessee. Uh, it uh, it was interesting to watch them pick him up because tight end was definitely a position that I thought that he that they would go shopping at. I still think that they're not done. The, uh, there could be some more cuts, maybe some trades. Trade deadline is um, later on. And I think it's somewhere early November maybe. We'll have to look that up. But it, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, um, see how they try to incorporate him. The run game is interesting. We'll talk a little bit about that. Lisa Lund is going to be joining us here in about five minutes or so. We'll talk some fantasy football. We'll talk about um, the Titans run game, get her thoughts on, on Jason Morrow too. And uh, he's certainly not a guy that I would even remotely recommend you picking up right now. But, you know, he's maybe a guy you want to keep an eye on um, because they they are going to need someone to step up alongside Craig Stevens retiring was a surprise and not a surprise. He's a guy who's had a concussion history and then some other injuries as well. So very interesting. Just real quick back to the Cam Newton thing. You know, um, it, 
I'm all it, just when I think that I can't be even more <laughs> um, amazed at the hypocrisy uh, of the NFL, and and you know when I follow it, I watch football. Was watching last night. Um, it, but it all, it it tops itself. <laughs> you know, it's it, the game is is grow is still growing and it's still popular. And you have to wonder: is there ever going to be an endpoint when where people are like? This is it. I'm done. You know, because what happened to Cam Newton last night, if you're a human, what happened to Cam Newton last night should offend you. It should bother you. You should be as livid as I am about it because it was it was wrong. Only way they're ever going to be able to to address what happened to Cam Newton correctly is to enforce the rules. The Broncos were clearly headhunting Cam Newton, and the referees, the officials, did nothing about it. It was horrible. It was one of the worst examples of officiating I have ever seen in my life. And I've been watching the NFL for a long time. It was a disgrace. And if the, And I'll tell you what. I am going to completely and utterly lose it if the NFL penalizes the Carolina Panthers for not pulling Cam Newton and they don't do anything to the Denver Broncos. I don't care if they even assess fines. I'm going to completely and utterly lose it if they do that because, as I said earlier on Twitter, that's what. That's why they were headhunting Cam to begin with. If you penalize the Carolina Panthers because they didn't pull Cam Newton, the cheaters win. The headhunters win. The terrorists win. That's what they wanted. They wanted to put Cam Newton out of the game. No, the problem is that the officials didn't enforce the rules. They let this happen repeatedly. They ignored what was going on on the football field. That's the problem. The problem isn't the concussion protocol. The problem is that you had a bunch of guys out there trying to take another player out. And I mean it when I say, Brandon Marshall, you're a hypocrite. You can't take a knee in so-called, you know, support of ending oppression and go out and do what you did on the football field. You're a big, huge hypocrite. And you can miss me with your bullshit. I am not impressed. Not one iota am I impressed. I hope you get a big fat fine. I hope that you think about what you did. Imagine somebody doing that to you, trying to end your career, trying to put you out of a football game. How would you feel about that? I bet you'd feel differently. Oh, yeah, I bet you'd feel a whole lot differently if that were you. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Lisa London. We're going to talk some fantasy football. We'll have a little bit of fun. I got a little bit of um, some of my angst off of my chest. So, um, yeah, so stay tuned in. Don't know the power. 
Bye. Oh, I, I, I want you to be on my team. Let this be a reminder to you all that this organization will not tolerate failure. tuned in and listening to Bat Talk with Sharona. I am your host. My name is Sharona. As always, I thank you for tuning in. Um, up next is Lisa London. We're going to be talking some fantasy football. Well, we can't let Lisa get in here without talking about her Miami Dolphins. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, I like to give her a little bit of a hard time. So, Lisa, welcome back. It's been way too long. I know, I know, and everybody gives me a hard time about the Miami Dolphins. It's just too easy <laughs> not to. <laughs> well, you know, it's a big year for Ron Tannehill. We'll get we'll get to that later, but um, yeah, uh, I have to ask you. Yeah, did you watch the game last night? I did. I did. And, and well, I, I, I've I was been ranting about it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I was listening to you and Jeff. So yes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm mad, girl. I, I'm I, so I mean, mad. yes, I, I, I totally get the argument. Yes, he's big. He runs, blah, blah, blah. But that was just, I mean, they were just hammering the guy. And it would be, you're right. If it was Tom Brady, and he, you know, you sneezed in his general direction, you would be fined and thrown out of the game. It's ridiculous, but, but yeah. Ugh. Anyway, um, but fantasy football. Uh, it was yeah. great to see. Yeah, it was great to see C.J. Yeah. Anderson get back in the groove. And he he was a guy, you know, I had him last year. I got burned. And when I get burned like that, I don't return to that well. Or very rare that I return to that well. But C.J. Anderson fantasy owners have to be pretty happy. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, I think I have him in King of the Hill. It turns out, yeah. yeah. Last night as football season started, I get to remember all the the the, the, the places where I've drafted a player. I'm like, oh, wait. So I, I think I think maybe it's King of the Hill. I have him. Um, I need all the help I can get in that league. So he he looked great. Um, he he looked great yesterday. Hopefully, they'll keep for the C.J. Anderson owners. They'll keep it up and. They won't do what they did last year where they were like, okay, we're just kidding. We're going to put Ronnie Hillman in now. But obviously Ronnie Hillman's <laughs> gone. But yeah. now, and, and Booker fumbled. So, But Capri Bibbs is still sitting around there. By the way, just fun little random fantasy note. I picked up <laughs> Capri Bibbs and IDP League where you get like return yards and special team stuff for depth where if – Anderson goes down, you have Bibbs who may be in it. And in the meantime, he's playing special teams. That was his thing on how he stayed on the team. So he might get you tackles. If you're, like, desperate, he could get you at least a few points with some tackles um, or some return yards. So that's just a little – if you're, like, desperate and you're in a deep league, like, I need a body. He's a body. (laughs) He has a pulse. 
Yeah, I was so, I, I was happy to see CJ Anderson and and, yeah, and see good. him it just, uh, outside of the other issues that were going on there and um yes. You know, it's um the uh, uh Ware, I think I've called him <laughs> It's been a morning for me because I was so mad last night I couldn't go to sleep and and I knew I had yeah. to get up and, and do this show. And of course, I'm always hype after the games anyway, and that kind of contributes, you know, sort of contributes to it. But um, the Denver defense, and that's one of the things that just makes it even worse to me, is that you're good anyway. And it, right. it's the same thing that bothers me about the Patriots and all and and, and the cheating there. Uh, you can you can win this game anyway. <laughs> You know? Yeah, I, I, well, okay. First of all, I have to admit that I'm wearing a Deacon Jones T-shirt ah. right now. So, so they, nobody head slapped anybody. So yeah. um, I was sadly disappointed there weren't head slaps handed out. But um, yeah, no, it's they they are good, and they didn't need to. The hits were just, I, I mean. It was ridiculous. Why I, I hate when you see players go and try and ruin another player. Like, yeah. That's your job. You have to. Why would you want to be that player? Uh, that, that, uh, yeah. That, yeah. How do you, how do you do that to somebody who you may be working with in the future, or just yeah. even if you're not, ruin another person's life over something? You could you can still make that tackle. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was I lost it was rough. so much respect for the Broncos last night. I'm just being real right now. I lost mm-hmm. so much respect for them, and um, you know, and yeah, and I know the NFL is. I, I know the the hypocrisy. I know all of that, but you know, uh, you just have to wonder how much more can the NFL do, and and fans still consume it. Well, that's and here's the thing. As much as I don't like that the hits the Broncos put on, and I don't, they're fired up in there in a game. It's what aggravates it is the fact that they're putting those hits in and they're doing it, and the refs are green lighting it, which is really yeah, where the problem is. Because the if the refs mm-hmm. had come in and started throwing flags, mm-hmm. he wouldn't be crawling around on the ground in the last minute of the game, because mm-hmm. at that point, they he, getting those yards would have been enough to at least make them alert. That even it, no matter how they wanted to play, they have to stop playing yeah. that way. It was kind no, of like the Josh Norman, yeah. Odell Beckham fight last year. Mm-hmm. If the refs had gotten in earlier mm-hmm. and told them to knock it off, the two of them wouldn't have escalated to the point of being yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, I, I completely I, agree. I I just think that you have the standard for quarterbacks and what you want to do to keep them safe, and I get it. Cam's awesome. Uh, you know, he he's amazing. He can run. He's huge, but still, like. His his brain's not magical. When mm-hmm. you get hit that hard, it's still going to have an effect, and and you need to treat him like every other quarterback. Well, and then it goes back to fundamental fairness, and I completely mm-hmm. agree with you. Nothing. If you follow me on social media, if you listen to this show, nothing gets me riled up worse than injustice and people yeah. being treated unfairly. And Cam has been treated unfairly since he came into the league. That's just the bottom line. And I completely agree with you. It is completely the official's responsibility to be the gatekeepers. And and that was a complete and utter failure. It was a breakdown of their responsibility last night. Yeah. Now, I have a feeling 
from, unless things have changed from last year. Remember, I had to read the league uh, rules last year as far as how they do these things. So uh, since it's a neutral body that's doing the fines, I'm going to guess that there's going to be a bunch of fines handed out. Like yeah, I, I that, really, that, that's going to go I, through independent I, review. Unfortunately, when you're talking about players who make as much as they do, that's like somebody being like, "Here, Lisa, here's a three dollar fine." Yeah. Okay, well that's part. Okay, like, yeah, I, I got to get like you know twenty of those before I start thinking about changing my behavior. <laughs> like, yeah. so it, it doesn't have the same effect as here. You just cost yourself the game because you gave them you gave them fifty penalty yards because you yeah. kept doing it. Yeah, I mean, it can't, first of all, it can't go back and give the Panthers a win that they probably would have gotten had right. had the rules been enforced. And second, it doesn't give Cam 10 years back on his life. It doesn't right. take away all the punishment, as you mentioned, it doesn't take away all the punishment that his brain endured. Right. You know, you can't and restore those things. And it and it doesn't restore the league's credibility. No. And that's the thing. And I, I think Carolina came out of the gate looking good, and Cam was just looking beastly coming out. And so they ended up just, you know, ratcheting up the punishment on him to slow him down by physically just trying to hurt him, which, you know, I get it. That's old smash mouth football of the way it used to be. But you guys decided to change that way because of the damage that it was doing to the players long term. <laughs> what? Why, you know, if Alex Smith or Ryan Tannehill or, well, not Teddy Bridgewater this year, but you know, Russell Wilson uh, or any other quarterback ran out of cry. that pocket, <laughs> yeah, ran out of that pocket and took that hit, like there would be flags flying and penalties going and medics coming in. I mean, imagine like Alex Smith <laughs> taking that hit, but he runs sometimes, like you forget because yeah. he's Alex Smith. But Russell Wilson. Never, like no, no, right? Nobody ever hits them like that and gets away with it. No, it's just because Cam's huge and it, yeah. and he's Superman. But you know, it's it's just a it's just a celebration. It's not like I felt like when I was watching it, I just felt like telling the rest like that's not actually real the Superman thing. Like you should actually throw flags now. He, he's he not really like, Superman. Ca- he can't actually catch bullets, so throw a flag because somebody just. <laughs> It rammed him. I mean, come on. So it's yeah, it was it that was just terrible to watch. It was awful to watch. Yeah, yeah. you know it's um, yeah. I I could go on and on and on and on and on about that. But I agree. There, it's it's a huge double standard and it's wrong. And um, they've got to do something about it. But back to the the fantasy football implications of what went on last night. And certainly don't mean to to lessen or demean the concerns that we've raised here. But we are here to talk about – we're going to have some fun and talk about fantasy football. And um, first of all, Cam is so amazing. I mean, he is just so amazing, and hopefully, you know, he'll get some rest, and hopefully he'll come back and he'll be okay and and, um, can continue. Having Kelvin Benjamin back, wow. Um, Benjamin looked great. He looked great, and – I've been, I've been on the Funches train. I've been on the Funches train for a while, and I was like, damn. Hell, I mean, it turns <laughs> out that I actually was on the Benjamin train, too. I had no idea. I went and looked at my NFL 10s, and I was like, oh, hey, I have a bunch of – he was cheap. So I was buying, apparently, in the off season. So I looked. 
I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I have a couple of uh, Benjamin Cam stacks where I'm like, that's that's nice. I like that. I have a couple. I've got yeah. Devin Funches all over the place. It was interesting. Um, by the way, if you don't follow, um, I follow Nathan Jenke, who is one of the PFF guys, and who's just so mm-hmm. great to tweet out. Um, snap counts for skill players and um, his he was letting us know how many snaps Kelvin Benjamin and um, Philly Brown and he mentioned Devin Funches and I've got a bunch of Devin Funches um, and I took Philly Brown really late in Scotty mm-hmm. Fishbowl so I've got some you know some interest in him too um, Philly Brown out at out snaps Devin Funches oh by only one snap but still that was kind of interesting to me Right. That was uh and it's 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 crazy that 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 Corey Brown's just he that that kid stays. Um but yeah, no, I was really hoping for more, but Funches is more of a I'm hanging on to him in dynasty hoping he turns into cuz he's just big. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's not super amazing, but he's good and most importantly, he's just uh, just two large receivers that I mean, you know, he could have he could have gone tight end, and uh, he's. I'm hoping, but obviously this this year I, I'm I'm just holding. I don't want I don't want to sell low. I might buy low. If 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 it, if you could get him low after this, when it looks like Kelvin Benjamin's just going to be the backfield and it's not going to be Funches, mm-hmm. I might buy low. If I'm in if if I'm in dynasty, if I'm in redraft, yeah. I'm not going anywhere near it. But I think eventually. Yeah, he'll. I mean, think about some of the receivers that have had last year that produced in that offense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so you're not drafting Devin Junior Funches? was a thing. Hmm? You're not drafting Devin Funches in redraft. Uh, you know what? I think I have him in a few. Um, dear Lord, I think I oh, have him in a few. Are you talking about Philly Brown? I'm talking about Funches. I have him in redraft okay. that I bought okay. earlier. But okay. as far as for trading in redraft, I just oh, okay. I would be standing pat because you can't get any value out of him right now, and I wouldn't want to trade yeah. for him in a redraft in case yeah. he needs another year. Yeah. So, but in dynasty, mm-hmm. dynasty, I may go out now if I'm if I'm a person, I'd be like, hey, I could trade. I mean, you, you could after this weekend, you could probably get some value on some guys that are going to look good right now that may not yeah. look good later. And you get some value on them um, and trade them off for him. Well, I'm not so sure C.J. Anderson doesn't fall into that category because I'm not sure oh, he's yeah. going to be able. Yeah, I'm not sure how much, how long he'll he'll hold the value that he came out of this this game with. Devin Funches he, is interesting. I never bought the narrative that he was going to to be a better option than Kelvin Benjamin, um, but I do think that as a um, you know, as a guy who's possibly going to, and I think it'll be fairly even, maybe um, at least early on, between him and Ted Ginn. And you know, Ted Ginn's not going to go away, as you saw last night. Cam has I, a report. I can't believe that those words were spoken aloud. <laughs> Ted Ginn. I know. I can't believe it well, took him long see, enough, but he finally managed bitter. to catch a you're ball without bitter, going fetal. Bitter Finns fan, that number six overall pick. Oh, oh my God. It still stands with me. And now he's finally catching. It only took, like, you know, years for him to catch a ball without going fetal. But, well, listen, yeah. Cam's the only guy who's been able to get him to do that. I know. I know. It's it's 
but it's just amazing that we're sitting here talking about Ted Ginn as junior as an actual legitimate receiver, and it's just my bias, people. That's what I'll say. I understand. I, no, I was the same we're, way. We're still mad about that. <laughs> and the Dolphins yeah. take Ted Ginn Jr. Wait, we just took a kick returner with a broken leg. Woo! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Hooray! Yeah. Oh, I love my that. Dolphins. Oh, my God. Oh. I'll never forget that. But, you know, I do think early on, it's. I think that their uh, production will be fairly similar. And I would expect, you know, maybe toward the end of the season, um, you know, somewhere maybe around week 10-ish or so, um, that would be the point I would think Funches might start to get, you know, a little bit more, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit more than, than Gann. But it's certainly a situation to keep an eye on. And the snap count, the wide receiver snap counts were were um, quite curious. And, of course, you can't talk about their receiving core without talking about Greg Olson, who's just so good. Right. I mean, that's, I think that's that's part of the interesting thing that's going to happen with that team is I think they're just going to have a bunch of receivers. I, I think that Carolina is going to stay beastly for fantasy for a while. With yeah, maybe the question, Maybe with the question mark of their running backs because – uh, okay, so I just traded my last dynasty share of Cameron Artis Payne, so I imagine uh, that Jonathan Stewart should go down in like the next three weeks if my luck holds, because that's mm-hmm. the way things work with my Cabot Cove curse. So if you have the ability to pick up Cameron Artis Payne, you should probably do so, and my foul luck will be your your beneficial uh, <laughs> improvement to your team. But yeah. uh, I guess I am I am gonna guess that. Um, yeah, he. They had Posse Whitaker still. Yeah, who has a it's has one of the best I know, names in football? But I don't have any Fozzie Yeah, I don't have any Fozzie Whitaker, but I do have some cap shares. Yeah, no. So, and the, and frankly, that helps the passing. You know, that helps that they're just going to have to pass. But I think they're going to be one of those teams where they're going to be for a while. And I'm curious. I I imagine they take somebody next year in that draft. Yeah. To to really come in because if they're if they're not that sold on Cameron Artis Payne then maybe they just go in and they get it. They yeah, get apparently not. Back. I mean, next year's the draft. It's mm-hmm. it's the one with 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 you know all the football wonders. So all the running. But backs. of course, they still have Mike Talbert. You can't leave out you know Mike yes. Talbert. You know, fullback I I, was the I, first. Of course, it was Denver's, but the fullback was the first rushing touchdown of the season. Right. Yes, so I I actually have Tolbert shares somewhere, uh, because in in one of the best ball leagues, because obviously you can't right. start. Yeah. But yes, Mike Tolbert is a fin- fantastic fullback. So, and Denver <clears throat> did a great job. I was sad to see Virgil Green not do more. Yeah, he got snaps though. That's that was yeah. the thing that I was that was yeah. The thing it was that it was wasn't a great for. it was it wasn't a great game for Denver passing. Um, no. It, it, it makes you the Packers' air is going to come sooner rather than later. There's no right. question. And, and this may be the time also to go in and buy your Denver players cheap, because um, yeah. you know everyone's looking in DT. Uh, you know, in the in the, in the, the leagues I started in, I was like, oh, uh, yeah, you know, I, yeah. Actually, Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley outscored him last night for me. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, but. You know, that's one of the things to keep in mind when you're looking at, hey, they didn't. Denver did, you know, C.J. Anderson looked great, and it's and everyone's going to be down because that that passing game is going to be probably down a little bit too because of the mm-hmm. coaches. And but they are also paying K. 
Carolina, even though they still don't have Josh Norman, that's a yeah, that's a nasty defense in its own yeah. right. Everybody thinks about Denver's defense, but forgetting that Carolina's isn't exactly friendly. Yeah. <laughs> like, like nobody's ever been like, hey, I love that Luke Kuechly, um, except for his own teammates when it comes to playing. Like he, yeah. as a quarterback, I imagine that um, quarterbacks have nightmares about him. So. Yeah. So this would be a great time to come in and say you can get uh, Demarius Thomas cheaper. You can go in and Demarius get Demarius Thomas her... looked good. I mean, what yeah. what you got to see of him? He looks like he's got his mojo back. I'm a big yeah. fan, and um, uh, that that I'm I'm happy to see that. You mentioned Josh Norman, and I'm so glad you did because um, a first of all, I wish he'd just shut up, and b <laughs> I obviously the Panthers' defense missed him. A lot more, mm-hmm. certainly a lot more than I expected, and it showed in oh, their no. run defense. It really did yeah. show in their run defense. Well, that's where, and so that's where it becomes interesting, where you can sneak in and buy DTs. Like if somebody ends up looking at the bottom line, if you're if you're in a serious league, you're not going to sneak anything in. Uh, but you know, for the people playing it with more casual players, they're going to look at the bottom line in Demarius Thomas last night, and they may start to get worried, or the bottom line in Virgil Green last night. And you're not paying attention to the fact that, hey, Thomas Davis had a fantastic catch in that, that game. Um, thank you, Thomas Davis, because I have you. <laughs> he had a really great catch. Um, that, and, yeah, that, that, was, that was really nice. For the, uh, I'm pretty sure the Broncos weren't happy about it. And, and the defense really did have some effects on the passing game and the running mm-hmm. game was so strong. If somebody's not looking at any of that, they're just looking at Demarius Thomas, like didn't get them the points they expected out of a stud receiver. Uh-huh. This is the time when you could come in potentially. You're going to see some yeah. guys. I think you're you're going to see games right now where players are going to shine in these first few games that are going to later fade. And yeah. you could trade off one of those players and get yourself Thomas to a mm-hmm. doubting owner who's concerned. Yeah. Now is the time to be the predator. So yeah. Now it's um, time to pull that okie doke. Yep. So, yeah, that's – that's if, if I'm looking, I'm like, hey, oh, man, Thomas only got you what? I mean, most leagues it's going to get 8 to 10 points this game. Oh, he only got you 10 points. And then you're going to see other games where you're going to see. One of the things I'm curious to see is, is Eli Rogers this, this weekend. Oh, yeah? Huh? Yeah, I'm curious to see how coverage will Josh Norman goes on Antonio yeah. Brown, right? So that should be fun to watch. But then Marcus Wheaton's hurt. Mm-hmm. Jesse James is a kid. And so does Eli Rogers, who's re- kind of replaced Sammy Coates, have a big game? And in that point, do you just sell Eli Rogers really high? Yeah. But what other uh, guys are you watching right now? What what guys are you um, you're looking to snipe and, and, and maybe pick up on the cheap? Well, right now, I mean, I think after this weekend, certain people are just going to become not cheap that I like. Um, Vance McDonald was sneaky and then he stopped being sneaky because everybody started figuring out he's the only person who can like I mean name awesome San Francisco 49ers wide receivers Uh, Torrey Smith that that's that like that's literally the only name of the it's like Quentin Patton's there. I mean, but see, I, it's, see, I think Quentin Patton's going to end up leading the Forty Niners in which in is not because, well, but not, it's going to happen is, because it's going to happen because Tory Smith's going to get the attention and you know how much not, will they right. use? It's, 
it's it's not like the 49ers receiver core isn't exactly awe-inspiring and and I mean that in, in every sense. He's a local kid. I do, you know? but yeah. it's not you know it's not awe inspiring, which means that Vance McDonald yeah. may be getting quite a bit of work, considering that these are not. I mean, it's, look, I I've had Quentin Patton on and off in dynasty leagues, and I I mean I was one of the unfortunately the DeAndre Smelter. Uh, I was on that train, and it hey, it crashed. But I, I hope Vance McDonald goes off because it'll make my stupid prediction from his rookie season look a little bit better because I had yeah. him as my number one rookie tight end because he was it was a you know he looked pretty good in college looked pretty polished and he was going into a great situation you thought what was a great situation and a good offense they just moved on from Delaney Walker who of course joined the Titans and they did have Vernon Davis but you know they needed that other you know tight right. end and it, it just so yeah i think i think Vance McDonald's going to come out and i think he's going to be very very strong tight end for for a receiving core that's that's definitely still a work in progress. I mean, obviously Garrick Selleck is still Selleck is still there, yeah. um, and Blake Bell is kind of hanging out. Um, but I think <laughs> McDonald's the guy. Um, the other tight end that I've kind of the one that I've been really sneaking cheap. If like I'm for like if you, I've had a few situations where my tight ends are broken, or yeah, I did I got caught. Uh, Lance Kendricks. Not because he's awesome, because I mean Tyler Higby's there and he'll eventually take over. But uh, just again, another receiving core where you got Case Keenum as the quarterback right now, with what Mannion behind him and then Goff, and you've got a bunch of receivers with I mean with Kenny Britt is the best receiver you can list. Listen, <laughs> Kenny Britt's still could... in the league. I, you know, shout out to you. <sighs> yes, uh, he's here for another yeah. season to crush yeah. and disappoint you. You <laughs> For everybody who has him, you know what's happening. You know what's going to happen. He's going to have three amazing games, and then he's either going to get injured or arrested or just disappear. Like, Listen, he, if he, you're putting your fantasy football team in Jeff Fisher's hands, except for the, the r- number one running back, who's Todd Gurley right, right now, you're in right. trouble. <laughs> Right. So you, with the minute you're like, I really want to go with the same, or sorry, Los Angeles seed. There I did it. Los Angeles Rams. As, as as like for anything in offense that does not Todd Gurley. Yeah, yeah. That's I. It's. But I think Kendricks will end up getting. You know, you're like desperate for a tight end. He he could be a fill-in one week because yeah. he's he's there. <laughs> um, it's uh, uh, this weekend. I think. I'm really interested to see when you see the full Detroit offense come out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it Golden Tate or Marvin Jones who takes the number one mm-hmm. spot? I could see them flip-flopping week to week yeah. on coverage. But Listen, I, I've got some I, years of Anquan Bolden. Oh, yeah, and, and Bolden's there. Ebron's now healthy again, allegedly. So <laughs> they, that game, that game could come out and be like just – that game could either be a trap game where it's like 3-9 – and they're like, ha-ha, screw your fantasy team. Or that game could be amazingly just everybody's fantasy teams go off. And and yeah. I don't I don't see a middle game. I see it just one way or the other. Well, the so, Colts defense should suck pretty badly. So yeah. um, you would think no. that the Lions, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not, neither defense is, is like, that That seems like one of those games, like I said, where it would be a trap, and you're like, how the heck did you end up with 3-9? Really? <laughs> or, like, it could just be fantasy heaven. And I'm I'm banking, and I've been grabbing and different players in that game because I'm I'm going to go with, hey, maybe it'll turn into fantasy heaven, and there'll be all kinds of, of you know, I'm a little worried about Luck's shoulder still. Yeah, I too. Think. He's back on... <sighs> He's back. I did a um, 32-teamer where mm-hmm. you could only draft players in the division. Of course, I represented the Titans. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I got sniped on Nuke and Lamar Miller. I got sniped Ooh. on so many people, but, but I drafted fourth. Uh, and by the time it got to me, my first pick was Andrew Lug. And that was before he made his appearance back on the injury report. And I saw that and I was like, uh, FML, uh-huh. hashtag FML. <laughs> yeah, no, un- unfortunately, he's, yeah, I have him on one of my more injury-prone teams. <laughs> you know, although all my teams are pretty much injury-prone. But, yeah, he's – I worry. I worry. But I kind of – I would love to see that game, to see everybody just go. Yeah. Um, I think this week, and just this week, maybe like the next three weeks, uh, Brandon LaFell will be an yeah. interesting play. And yeah. it's so, solely for a few weeks because Brandon LaFell is not, I mean, there's a reason why Brandon LaFell has never been, you know, the name has never he been was spoken with all. He relevant for a while with the Patriots because of Tom Brady. Right, right. but he's always been, he's, he's not amazing, but Tyler Boyd is still learning. And um, I could see, Either LaFell or maybe Ty- Croft is health- is somewhat healthy, and Eifert, of course, is still injured as mm-hmm. usual. So I can see I that. I stayed away from him. Yeah, I I and I unfortunately have him in one of my dynasty leagues. So, but I also have Gary Barnage there because I love I love me Gary Barnage. But I did um, you have some shares of him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, with him I would say. He's the guy that you let him play a couple of weeks, go off, and then if you can trade him, yeah, he may be now maybe the time to trade him. Not because he's not doing his thing, but because you got Josh Gordon coming back. You yeah. now have a bunch of receivers that are are good receivers that are sitting there. Uh, Corey Coleman. I've got some Terrell Pryor shares. Yeah, Ter- Terrell Pryor. Like I love that guy. So there's there's definitely some really good receivers there, which is going to change how much Gary Barnage gets used potentially. Mm. Although that catch last year with his legs was outstanding. Yeah. Um, the the team I'm mostly avoiding is of course my Dolphins, my my Dolphins uh-huh. who who exist to crush my dreams uh, oh, every well, year. Well, yeah, I'm talking with Lisa London, by the way. Great fantasy football follow. Great, just a great person, and um, I think give her a chance to really introduce herself and shout out where you can find her. We'll do that when when before we let her go, and we are going to talk about the Dolphins. But before we get there, I want to ask you because mm-hmm. I'm curious, how do you feel about Tampa Bay's backfield, and and which guy are you buying into? Um, oh, I actually like Doug Martin mostly for this year, but. The person I own and the person I have I spent most of last year, um, he's he pretty much like lives in my grind. I write grinders and gambles, which is basically when you're looking for when, when you have very deep leagues and shallow, your waivers are difficult. Uh, guys who can come in and get you some points, 
and when you're desperate. And one of my per, like just perpetual grinders on there is Charles Sims and a PPR. Mm-hmm. And I just I love him because he produces even though. Okay, Doug Martin's there. Okay, this person's there. Okay, you know, Winston's running it, but Charles Sims still gets you some points. And at the end of the day, I think that he's the he's the guy who is going to be price value wise easier to obtain. I mean, I love Doug Martin to play in dailies, depending on who they're playing. Um, I didn't really like his price, and I don't own many shares in MFL tens. I don't have any dynasty shares. He just costs too much for me. But I yeah. think that I think for at least the next season or so, he sh- I mean, he he should he should be a good running back too with some one upside. I just think that you can get Charles Charles Sims has gone up in the last in this, mm-hmm. this over this off season. I've really seen his his value go up from where he was just hanging out on the wire to he's owned now everywhere. Um, so, but if you can get him cheap, he, he's a great guy to get you. Just, I need some points. I'm going to flex mm-hmm. him because my, I need to put in a patch here, but his value may have gone over. It just, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. If, if Doug Martin comes in, has a big game and Charles Sims doesn't produce that much, you could probably go in and, um, you can probably go in and, and get a, uh, a cheap buy on him. Much cheaper than, than you're going to get Doug Martin. Charles Sands is the only Tampa Bay share I own. I might maybe have some. No, 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 no. I do. I have one more. I, let me correct myself. Who is the guy who's going to take ASG's, ASJ's place? Uh, You mean the other tight end? The tight end, yes. Bray, Cameron Bray. Yeah, I have one of him. Yeah. (laughs) So those are the only two, Tam, and and it's just the way it fell out because I love Mike Evans, but he, you know, he was going pretty high, and um, I'm just not as in love with Vincent Jackson, who I think is great. And um, so just the way it shook out, those were the only. I have one share of Charles Sims and one of the the other tied in, and so I'm kind of curious to see how. Uh, how how their offense goes and how their uh, running back and tight end situation. So, all right, Finn's time. I don't want to keep you too long, but I, I got to ask you about your fins and uh, what's going on with them. And of course, we've you know we we beat this horse to death, but I'm going to beat it some more. Ryan Tannehill. Um, it's it's the <sighs> year for him, isn't it? I mean, he's got to do it this year, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just every time it's just my dolphins. Look, my dolphins exist to just. I I know that there was a time where they actually won Super Bowls because I've I've heard the stories of of way back when. But for my entire pretty much existence, uh, remember I did I I got to suffer through. Hey, we made it to the Super Bowl and then we lost. Um, and then from there we went to the Super Bowl. The only way the actually the only way that we get to see the Super Bowl is by hosting it. So we don't actually get to play in it. We just get to host it every once in a while because we have a nice stadium. So it's it's pretty bad. Um, I this is he's got it. I mean, it's he's our quote franchise quarterback, and I think that even if he doesn't do it this year, he may stick around anyways because I don't know that 
who who are they going to go take? Unless they can trade for somebody, and as they do, it'll be you know we'll end up with Jay Cutler with like a a ridiculous contract because that's what the Dolphins do. Here, let's give like fifty billion dollars to Jay Cutler. That's 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 my Dolphins right there. Is can we overpay for somebody who's probably going to be injured and underperform? Is that is that an option? Wait, we have Drew Brees or Dante Culpepper. Let's go with Dante Culpepper. That Brees kid doesn't look like he's any good. Um, oh man, I had forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what the Dolphins do. So it's <laughs> it's one of those things where uh, it it should be his year. Um, I you know that he has to make it or break it, and he's got out of gates there. So you you hope that that of course Jordan Cameron, as uh, somebody who's overpaid and 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 our standard Dolphin pick is is doing so much at tight end. Uh, I'm sure all the other. I think I've got a share of Jordan Cameron. I, I wasn't happy about it, but I think I've got I, it. I think I drafted Deion Sims in multiple leagues. Like I just, I just assumed <laughs> that either Jordan Cameron would get benched or injured. Like I figured he would yeah. go like get a drink of water and pull a hammy. So yeah. I was just like, I'll just, I'll just draft Deion Sims now, and eventually he may score me points over the year. Uh, so yeah, no, I I don't think that whatever happens with the Dolphins, I don't think it's happening this week. <laughs> this week, I expect. Uh, let's see, Pouncey's most likely out, so we have to. Our center is going to be some kid that was a guard, and then has been on practice squad for like a couple of years, and now he's going to play center for the first time against Seattle. Nothing could possibly go wrong with that idea. I'm sure that's going to go swimmingly well. So if Ryan Tannehill lives <laughs> through this game, then 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 we'll see how he does afterwards. Because um, if he doesn't if he doesn't have a setter, and um, that that's going to be ugly. I expect at least one penalty with something done wrong on a snap. I mean, the kid's first time ever playing an NFL center, and you got to play against Seattle. <laughs> that's, that's that's just brutal. Like, hi, welcome yeah. to the NFL. Uh, you enjoyed those practice squads. Yeah, now now you're gonna now you're gonna have <laughs> you're <gonna> Michael Bennett. <laughs> so, um, and then uh, on top of that, Devonte Parker has underperformed, mm-hmm. and now yeah. he may not play. Like, who who knows what's going on with that? And then who knows who's replacing him? I mean, I, I assume from the preseason, it looks like Kenny Stills is getting the love. Which okay. He looked pretty good. I mean, I, yeah. I I was a little on the fence about that trade and where he fit in yeah. there. But I got to say, you know, I have not drafted him. I didn't pick him up any, but I thought about it. Right. Yeah, no. Uh, he's, I mean, he's looked out, He's looked pretty good. Last year, I had Matthews, um, who's now on your Titans. I still have Matthews. Yeah. Oh, I love uh, that's him. Right. We yeah. have our bet. We have our obby yeah, bet. We sure do. <laughs> we, we've got we've got our obby bet on on whether or not Matthews or Sharp is is the the lead, but uh, one of the pickups I just made in in one of my leagues is somebody had dropped Carew because the coach is just like you you have still have work to do. But <laughs> I grabbed him to see what happens. Uh, Parker's having issues. Obviously, he's he's not necessarily a replacement for Parker, but I grabbed him for long term because that those receivers, who knows what's going to happen there? Let's see how he develops. He's not something somebody I would grab and redraft, but in Dynasty, right. if somebody's like I'm out because this kid may end up on the practice squad, then he's he might be a nice grab. Um, Waldman loves him or loved him or liked him. Um, for anybody who reads the RSP, he got, yeah. he got good reviews. Trust, so trust Matt I, Waldman promises. Yes, 
Yeah. Yes, Matt Matt Waldman is 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 that He's is right. my the RSP is my bible of mm-hmm. of drafting. So, um so I've seen him get thrown out in a couple of leagues. So I was like, "Hey, thank you for that. I'll take him. I'll stick him on my dumpster fire team at bench and let my so, team develop." So I got to ask you, um mm-hmm. Since we're, we can't talk about the wideouts without uh, Justin Hunter reunited, and it feels so yes. good with Sean Jefferson. Is he going to have a role or not? <laughs> so, first of all, I want to know how you got Richard Matthews and we got Justin Hunter. Like, how did that – thank you, Miami <laughs> Dolphins. How you know what we, we should do? Let's a little bit of sympathy. I mean, that was, a, that was definitely the, God, the football gods took pity. On the Tennessee Titans, we got the better end of that deal. I, I, like how, like as the Dolphins start off, as you're like, you know what, that Rashard Matthews kid keeps catching the ball. Let's go send him over to Tennessee and take Justin Hunter. Um, that would be awesome. I can't, I can't possibly see how that. Yeah, no, that's. Uh, I think that. I mean, frankly, with the way that the Dolphins wide receiver core goes, who, who knows what's going to happen? Justin Hunter. May, I mean, he's not. I don't think anything happens. Obviously, this week, he's still got to learn everything, but learn the system that won't yeah. actually be effective. But after that, I mean, he he may. I I've never actually. I don't think I've ever owned any Justin Hunter shares. I made one a very long time ago, <laughs> and I certainly haven't in the last couple of years. Yeah. And I'm not really looking to buy. I mean, going to the Dolphins, I don't. I, as a general rule, don't own Dolphins because, as much as I love my Dolphins. They haven't. Yeah. I mean, I've gone through. It's now been decades. I mean, since pretty much since Shula's yeah. been gone, that they haven't <laughs> been like a somehow a hot mess in some way. Like they, they literally exist to crush my hopes and dreams every year. They make like they start showing a little flash. They do something cool, and then they just <laughs> fall apart. That that's the dolphin way. And and on top of that, they overpay for people that that yeah. disappoint you, or they get rid of somebody, and then that person goes on to be relevant. So I'm looking at you, Chris Hogan, 7-Eleven. You know how much I love Chris Hogan. So yep. watch watch him turn out to be. That's that's my my guess for the like guy that nobody saw coming, Chris Hogan. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> one more thing, the running back situation. How much does Arian Foster have left, and is there any uh, – last year – I bought so heavily into Jay Ajahi, and wow, that was a mistake. It, it, is there any hope for the for the Ajahi traders? Honestly, I'm so happy that any attempts to get uh, get him last year were just shot down in my dynasty leagues. Um, here's the problem with the Dolphins' backfield: even if you are good, for some reason you never get used until you go uh, another well, team. Well, Lamar Miller, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, Lamar Miller going to Houston is going to be great for him. It's I, it's, I know, it's a different coordinator. We change coaches. It's like, how do we continue? I mean, we've even changed odors, and we still continue to do the same things. But uh, it, under the previous one, we actually at least had running backs that had value. Under Lately, it seems like, I mean, first of all, Arian Foster – I wouldn't be surprised if Carlos Williams been signed yet. I wouldn't be surprised if Carlos Williams becomes a running back. That would, yeah. really wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Arian Foster. The Jets are looking point, at him too. You better, you know, you better. Yeah, I know because yes, they they 
they lost Kerry Robinson. So, yeah. But I would assume that the Dolphins would love to bring him in because they were pretty much trying to pay for – like Chris Johnson, they, they were like, we don't care how old you are. They they really were just trying like they were just throwing money out like it's just like here's money please come and play with us and then they ended up with Arian Foster, so Arian Foster hasn't made it through a full season and I mean Years. he makes Jonathan Stewart look like a solid running back who never gets injured. He was going but, so high in fantasy drafts I was like I just can't. No, I mean he's, he's, I, everyone forgets that he he's got the back. I mean once you have back problems, man. I can't even. I have no idea how he even gets up and runs at this point because uh-huh. he's that's right. gotta hurt. Like that guy's yeah. gotta wake up in just crazy pain. So I, I mean, I assume he's gonna have some great games, and then I assume he's gonna get injured, and then <laughs> I assume, like I said, we're gonna have to bring somebody in. Um, I'm su- I'm surprised that we haven't joined the Carlos Williams bidding force yet. Because um, I know the I like really- Carlos Williams. Uh, you know he's I had do. it's interesting. Um, I, I'm really Off pulling season. for him, and yeah, really I, pulling I, for I, him and, and hope. But you know, here's the thing about about Arian Foster. Um, when when you look at Lamar Miller, you, you mentioned that situation. When you look at the difference between what you know the Texans did and what the Dolphins do, I think it's ridiculous to think that Arian Foster's numbers are going to match what what we saw because the Dolphins just don't use their running backs that way. That's and that's really what and it, it's like that's bothered me over. I mean, it's you you have. I mean, at one point you had Lamar, you had talented backs sitting there. And you're not using them, um, and it's why? Why are you not using? It's it doesn't make sense that our focus is the passing game. Maybe Tannehill would be doing better if he had the running game to take some pressure off of him. On top of that, we've had so many issues and turnovers and receivers and what's going on there. It's it's been a really long time since the Dolphins have had a solid franchise receiver that stayed with them. Um, that's been like their guy, and it, we really don't have that. We have turnover. We lose receivers. We lose players to other teams. Um, we don't seem to instill the same type of loyalty or spend the ty- type of money on contracts to get those kind of guys anymore that we used to have. I mean, Ed, that that just seems to be the way it goes. And and yeah. like I said, I as far as dolphin, if it's cheap, I'm buying a dolphin receiver. Anything you know more than than bargain basin prices, and they're yours. I I don't know if I own it. I I own very few Parker shares, and I tried to trade for him. I think a couple leagues last year, and his price was so high. I was I was like, really? Yeah. Like you know he's a dolphin, right? And Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> I mean, when I wear my Ryan Tannehill shirt out, and people look at me, I'm like, no, no, it's a great jersey it's just you know every once in a while when i park my car i miss the parking space i was aiming for and overshoot and park in the other one like i'll be throwing something in the grocery basket and i just miss and i'm just like it's a jersey it's a jersey sorry i didn't mean to hit you with that box of cereal sorry about that so you know that's that's right this is why i've missed you so much it's always so much fun and we had yes. a great time on the Going for Two live auction. Beers yeah, were consumed. No. I'm actually going to have to go back and rewind and see how many bets I did make. And exactly you did, what you made, we made quite a few bets. I like like so the next morning, <laughs> I was like, oh, God, why would we drink and draft? That was a terrible idea. 
I believe I was drinking I looked at scotch. my team, though. I like my team, um, but I did I, make quite a few bets, you know. Yeah, um, my team looked I, like I was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, yeah, no, but, yes, we have the Avi bet for, for those who didn't catch it. We, we have a bet one week's Avi's on Twitter on who will be the top run, the top receiver in the Titans, whether it's Rashard Matthews or Tajay Sharp. Tabe, Tabe. Uh, it, it works either way for me, though. See, it's a, it's a win-win because I own probably way too many shares of Tajay Sharp, but I also have some some Rashard Matthews too, and I love him. You know, I think that yeah. um, it's a win-win either way for me. And it's so funny because I actually made a bet with Andy Carlson as well uh, for the the Titans Vikings game. <clears throat> Excuse me. Over the weekend, and if I lose, if the Vikings do win, I have to rock a Coach Zimmer um, avatar for an, for an entire day, and, and that's fine. So uh, I can't let you get out of here, and I've kept you too long. I'm so sorry. But I can't let you get out of here without talking about your defense, which, as good as it was, man, it could actually be better this year. I love the Mario Williams pickup. You guys yep. have a guy that um, – I followed throughout his career, former Titan, Jason Jones. I love that pickup as well. Yes. And, uh, yeah, no, it looks good. I mean, they they move Wake, so Wake won't be in on all of the downs, but he'll be coming in doing a pass rush, which will keep him hopefully healthy. And that is the one thing in the Miami Dolphins that I have been picking up is their defense or their defensive players. And um, and I think that that's, that we do right. Yeah. We can't pass the ball, but we can crush the other quarterback. So um, I like that. I think that's. Just I think that's going to be. Yeah, no. I I I I think our division is going to be really interesting this year with some of the the offensive lines versus some of these defenses. There's going to be some really ugly games involving stretchers. But uh, yeah, no, that's that. I I do like what they've done there. I had uh, forgotten that you guys picked up Kiko Alonso too. Is he finally uh-huh. healthy? What's the what, give us a scouting update on him? Oh God, uh, I haven't actually checked the, the latest one on him. Um, he was a fantastic college player. He's never been able to to stay healthy. Right. Obviously, the the subject of uh, that infamous trade with Lashawn McCoy and what went down there. I, you know, I like him. I hope I'm really, really, really pulling for him this year. I hope he stays healthy. Yeah, now he's still he's still doing the rehab and I don't think he's going to be in for uh anytime soon. I don't know if he, he I don't think they've put him on pup yet. Um he's still got that knee. So, mm-hmm. hopefully he he comes back. And yeah, I hope so too. And he makes uh, it back uh, into season. I mean, that's just yeah. Knees always yeah. I hate when I see those knees. It's tough. He's had what two ACLs already? That's and I think he had one in college. So yeah, it's um, yeah, it, it's it, it's it's crazy. I've kept you too long. Did we talk about all your sleepers from the weekend? Uh, I think we covered at least some of them. Okay, all right, and, right. Tell and, everybody and, else. And, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I was say, and anybody who wants to uh, take a look, I write grinders and gambles for Fantasy Sharks as well as a couple of their articles. Um, and I am on Twitter at Lee Dog Law. And you should follow her. She's great. Lisa, thanks you again. Totally should follow we, me. We cannot let so much time go between 
today and the next time that you're on. It's embarrassing how long it's been, but I had so much fun, and thanks again for joining me. Yes, please. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a great day. You too. Take care. All right. Thanks again to Lisa London for joining me this morning talking about fantasy football, her Miami Dolphins, and um, again providing her thoughts on on the game last night and the all the hits that Cam Newton took. And I feel you know this um, podcast is uh, definitely a labor of love, and it uh, allows me to to vent a little bit and to let off some steam. And I feel so much better. Thank you guys for for allowing me to do that and listening to, to my rants about um, the situation last night. Give Lisa a follow out there on Twitter and also uh, to Jeff Lloyd for joining me in the first guest segment, our first hour, with a look at the Jets, their quarterback situation, his thoughts on Jason Morrow and, and some other things. Of course, the game last night. In a few minutes, we're going to be playing uh, my little sit-down yesterday afternoon with um, – excuse me, Andy Carlson of Purple for the Win. We previewed the Minnesota Vikings versus the Tennessee Titans tilt uh, on Sunday. I'm looking for a great game. I'm very excited to to actually be at that game, um, be back in Nashville and be at that game. So uh, you can expect some shenanigans probably to go down. You can see if um, we post any of that on, on Twitter or Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter, by the way excuse me, at Sports by Sharona. And once again, shout out to, of course, to my buddy Matt Wood and to Ed Kratz, who joined me on Wednesday. Ed covers the Philadelphia Eagles. Great stuff from him about uh, DeMarco Murray, the situation there. Chip Kelly, Carson Wentz, the the Sam Bradford trade. Uh, he has some really great insight on that. And, and Andy and I talk about that as well. Obviously, the injury to Teddy Bridgewater, um, changing the complexion of the Minnesota Vikings. I mean it when I say that I am a huge Mike Zimmer fan. Um, it crushed my my soul when the Titans had him in town and let him get back on that plane and, and leave Nashville um, after they fired Mike Munchak and were, they were looking for a new head coach. And then they hired Ken Wisenhunt, and we all know how that turned out. And, and Mike Zimmer went on to, to get to be hired. It all worked out. You know, He went on to be hired by the Minnesota Vikings and is doing such a fantastic job there. And uh, Andy and I take a look at that matchup and talk about, you know, some of the, the interesting things from the matchups, individual matchups from that game. I'm very curious to see how the the Titans offense does look about against a Minnesota defense that is, I think, going to be extremely good this year. Uh, the concern for me is, you know, will their offense be able to stay on the field, the situation with, you know, the, the acquisition of Sam Bradford. And it's funny because Andy and I talk about, Who's going to start? Is it going to be Sean Hill? Is it going to be Sam Bradford? And I've really the line with the Sean Hill's going to start thing. But, you know, we're starting to see, as I mentioned earlier, we're starting to see all these reports. Sam Bradford is such a quick learner. 
And, you know, and when you look at how much the Minnesota Vikings gave up, you know, just to bring Sam Bradford to town, you know, listen, if Mike, if Mike Malarkey ends up being right and, and I end up being wrong, I'll admit it, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to give Mike Malarkey some shine. Uh, I'm probably higher on him as the head coach than just about anybody else. So, you know, that, that will not cause me uh, any problems at all. I do think, though, that the odds are greater that we're still going to see Sean Hill start that game. I think the leash is going to be very short. If he does start to stink it, we could very easily see Sam Bradford early. Uh, you would think that they want to get him comfortable in, in their offense before, you know, they they stick him out there. And, you know, probably a lot of it depends on how the game is going. Um, you know, the the Titans defense, their front seven is, is, is pretty good. It's the back end. It's the cornerback situation that's the concern. Their safeties are good. Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting. Their their run defense throughout the preseason was really solid. How will they handle Adrian Peterson? Can they handle Adrian Peterson? Andy and I will, will talk about that. And um, <clears throat> then when we get through playing that segment, we'll come in and wrap things up. A little bit of a longer show today. So much to talk about with with the NFL season being back and fantasy football and, and all the other things that are going on. I wanted to talk about Tim Tebow, and I, and I will real just real quick talk about Tim Tebow. It's interesting. He was signed um, to a, a, a major league contract, the Mets, uh, giving him an opportunity. But, you know, it's funny because it also came out that he, won't, he will, will not be – like a full town, full time baseball player because he does have his um, reporting. Do I say reporting loosely? His um, entertainment duties at um, ESPN with with college football and and what. And listen, I'm not hating. He's easy on the eyes, but I just can't help but wonder how the narrative would be if it were anybody other than Tim Tebow when he wasn't giving full effort to, um, you know, to his baseball career, more air quotes. I hope you can sense the sarcasm in my voice there. Um, Is this a publicity stunt? Well, sure. You know, of course it is. Of course it is. And, um, you know, but I haven't seen very much in the way of backlash or discussion about that. It's always interesting to me how we, you know, how we talk about these things and, so um, maybe if we get more time next week, we'll talk about that and keep an eye on, on what's going on with that. Uh, the uh, one thing that I want to just touch real briefly upon, and again, shout out to Lisa, Lisa London for joining me to talk about fantasy football and what have you. And I meant to mention this earlier on. It, it really was telling. It was very discernible, uh, a discernible difference in the Panthers defense without Josh Norman, particularly in, in their run defense. And, you know, their secondary, it's been, I don't, I hate to say a weakness, but it's been an area that their front seven is so good, right? I mean, their their defense is really good, and, and their linebackers especially are very good. And they re- they're missing Josh Josh Norman. And, um, you know, that situation is, is interesting with, you know, with them moving on from him. And, you know, and I'll – I liked Josh Norman and his fire and his forthrightness and, you know, how, but, you know, at some point it just becomes petty. And to me, he's become petty. 
And I don't like to see guys get petty um, with one another. And you just can't let the Odell Beckham Jr. thing go. And then that just kind of bothers me. So, um, but we certainly wish Josh Norman well, but definitely the Panthers are missing him. It was, it was noticeable last night and we've, um, we've talked about last night enough, I guess. We're going to take another quick break. And then when we come back, we'll be playing uh, our sit down chat with Andy Carlson of Purple for the Win, previewing the, the Minnesota Vikings versus the Tennessee Titans tilt. So stay tuned in. You're listening to Bat Talk with Sharona. the purple for the win podcast for the first time uh sharona follow her on twitter at sports by sharona inside the pylon players insider nfl female all that good stuff you have a lot of gigs i do i wear a lot of hats which is the fanciest hat like which is the the sunday hat like the the fancy the Sunday hats probably the fancy hats probably NFL female uh, because you know we're a bunch of girls mm-hmm. and even though we know our stuff we still like to you know be girly occasionally and and do the girly stuff and um, I do have a sparkly hat but I, I I do think that the only time I've ever worn it is on my Wednesday night show um, where I talk fantasy football so anyway <laughs> that's good also the, your show back talk with Sharona. Yes. That's very exciting. Backtalkwithsharona.com. Yes, check us out. We'll be playing um, this segment on it in the morning. We're recording this on Thursday, so we'll play this on Back Talk in the morning. I'm excited. Big game this weekend, eh? Yeah. Uh, minor, minor. Um, there's probably going to be about 90 rushes during the game, probably about five <laughs> passes, and we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, but it, it, the exotic smash mouth. I wanted to ask you right away. Sure. Coined by Mike Malarkey, Titans yes. head coach, for some reason. <laughs> Don't hate now. What? Why? <laughs> what is it? No, I mean, it's, you know, we we kind of live in an age of, of buzzwords, and millennials seem to, you know, kind of like that stuff. I think that, you know, they're, um, the Titans have been under a bit of a transition and a bit of a transition since, you know, they... Um, they lost their owner, Bud Adams. He passed away a few years ago. There was some ownership um, you know, behind, behind the scenes wrangling uh, among the ownership. Now Amy Adams Strunk has um, won that battle. And it wasn't just over the Titans. There were The heirs were battling about a lot of different things, and Bud had his hands in a lot of different pies. And so now, you know, they're um, – mm-hmm. and, and during those years, the Titans weren't very good, and they didn't know who they were because they didn't have anybody, you know, to tell them who they were, really. And and so now they're um, trying to come out from that, and they're trying to get renewed interest, in, you know, in, in the team and, and rekindle, so to speak, with the fan base. And so Exotic Smash Mouth and – I was doing a show, and we were doing a a, a, fan, a live fantasy draft. It ended up being five hours long, and beers were consumed. And I changed that a little bit to erotic Smash Mouth. So um, we'll see how well oh. that goes. Yes, yes, we'll see how well that goes. Now, I, I do like Bud Adams mainly because the only thing I remember about him is the, the flip and the double bird. Mm-hmm. That, what, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> and then, yeah. although he he did curse us with Jeff Fisher because he uh, was the one who yes he did, and with the Oilers, yeah, minor details. Um, now, are you lifelong Tennessee? I did not live in Tennessee in my early years. I actually grew up in Texas. Um, of course, the Oilers mm-hmm. were down there, but I didn't follow the Oilers. I was a Dallas Cowboys fan. My family, uh, and they're still members of my family that are still Cowboys fans, and that makes for fun mm-hmm. Thanksgivings. I got you. So the the Titans slash the Tennessee Oilers are more your adopted team. Yeah, they moved, they came to Nashville the same time that I went back, moved back. And um, and so, you know, and I was disenchanted uh, with the Cowboys by then, had already um, renounced my my fanship because of you know, Barry Switzer and Jerry Jones and just everything. It was just everything. And I, I was, you know, looking for a team to, to kind of latch on to. And, the, you know, the Oilers came to town and, you know, it, it was um, support the local local team so to speak and mm-hmm. so yeah and of course you know in the early years right, so you know, that was in 97 they came to town in 97 mm-hmm. and um the stadium opened in 99 and they went to the super bowl so how exciting was that <laughs> uh very but then jeff fisher jeff fisher did yes he did yeah yeah minor details yeah. uh kicking us off give me some teddy compassion Give me a little, aw. I love Teddy Bridgewater, man. I cried, you know. I, the beers were consumed in in Teddy Bridgewater's honor, and I'm still very concerned about him. Um, you know, I'm I'm not so sure that this isn't more significant than what they're letting on. Mm-hmm. And thoughts on the Bradford trade uh, when it went down right away? Well, I thought they paid too much, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I I can understand both sides of this. I mean, I think that Sam Bradford, you know, when healthy, um, is a good quarterback. He's not been healthy enough, and we haven't seen enough of that. He, you know, he's a guy, I, I, in fact, I just recorded another podcast, and I said in our next live, we should all come back as Jeff Fisher and Sam Bradford because, you know, Jeff Fisher manages to, you know, maintain that job, and Sam Bradford, man, just keeps getting that shine. And so I think if it had been me, um, I would have gone with, I hate to say this, because, you know, players deserve every penny they get. Let's just get that Mm -hmm. out of the way. But I thought they paid too much um, for a guy who I'm still not convinced is going to – I don't – think that he's ever going to be elite at this stage, but he probably will be, you know, a nice stopgap. But it was a lot to pay. Now, as a Titans fan, are you rooting to see Sean Hiller or Sam Bradford? I don't think that there's much difference. (laughs) I I, I really, I, I mean, I really don't. I mean, I think that once he gets more familiar with the system, Sam Bradford will probably be a better option, but he's not. Right, mm-hmm. he just joined the team. He's not familiar. He's not. They're going to have to dumb it down for him. And I don't mean that because he's not smart. I mean that because he's just not familiar with the system. And Norm, you know, uh, Norv Turner, Turner has done that before. I mean, if I recall correctly, he did that early on with Eddie. Um, mm-hmm. So he's done it before. He can do it again. And does it? Ch- it's not going to change things either way because we're going to see a crap ton of Adrian Peterson. Uh, yeah, uh, the unofficial record that I, I found is most carries 
88. I, I think we might break that record. Might, yes. <laughs> we, we, we might. Uh, looking at your Titans team, just mm-hmm. going from the GM spot, John Robinson comes down from New England, and he completely flipped over the mattress. Uh, basically, yeah. two guys out of every five that was on the team last year are gone. And it, he kept Mike Malarkey in place. Now, mm-hmm. that's surprising to a lot of people. Do you see him as someone who can coach the next three to five years or just a, a stopgap sort of scholarship year for John Robinson? Yes. <laughs> That's the short answer. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> I, although I do think that um, a lot of the ownership issues have been resolved, I don't think that, um, you know, if the Titans are, are stabilized and – you know, if they get a great offer in the next, you know, five years from now, could could the team be sold? It, I, mm-hmm. I I would not completely rule that out. I don't think that there are currently any plans, but I think that in large part they chose Mike Malarkey um, for a three-year window to see, mm-hmm. A, could they get the fans back? Because they've got to get the fans. If they're going to make this work, the fans have to return, and so they want that. They want to see that. You know, the players like Mike Malarkey. Mm-hmm. Um, that goes a long way. I think um, you know uh, Marcus Mariota is is comfortable and familiar with him, and you know you don't want to throw too much at your young guy. And I, and I, I definitely think that that Marcus Mariota is capable of of adjusting and adapting. But to build, there's a lot to be said for. Stability, and um, mm-hmm. so we'll see how that works out. I think he's got three years to, at least, to prove himself. Now, with Mariota, like, what is the overall buzz down there uh, about him and about this team coming into the season? I would love him. Uh, he's, uh, I think he's the real deal. Um, there's no question in my mind, but that he's the real uh, deal. If they can keep him healthy, I think the sky's the limit for him. Hmm. Now, what do you think the overall offensive philosophy is going to be? Just run the crap out of DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry, the young guy who looks pretty damn good. Oh, yeah. uh, have Mariota make make a couple of throws here and there, probably all the Delaney Walker, yeah. and maybe a couple of Taz J. Give me all the Delaney then, Walker I can handle, baby. I, I'm extremely worried about Walker because yes. we have Andrew Frickens and Deho back there. So, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, overall, like, yeah, no, I what think are the fans expecting? Like 8-8? Eight and eight? Well, I, I said if they go six and ten, it's it, that's a successful year. And I know that that doesn't enthuse, but I mean, two years ago they they won two games. Last year they won three games. You know, it's not been very, it's not been a very winning team. Um, mm-hmm. If they go eight and eight, yes, absolutely. I think seven and nine could win the division. You know, the AFC Probably. South. Yeah, I mean, the AFC South is. Um, just not good right now. I'm not sold on what the Colts did. I don't – I said if – I mean, on paper, if you look at the division, it should be Houston and Jacksonville competing for the divisional mm-hmm. title. But, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for the Tennessee Titans. And if they can – if they're as good as they can be, they sh- I mean, they certainly should be in that mix. But, you know, back to the – yeah, I mean, I think that – I think that it is exotic smash mouth, and I think that, you know, going by the numbers in the preseason, certainly the run game is going to be a big part of what they do, but you're going to see a lot of Marcus Mariota sprinkled in, and, um, you know, the, they ran the Statue of Liberty twice. 
you'll see some <laughs> razzle dazzle. Hopefully, hopefully they will not expose my man Tabe Sharp to any injury. Um, no more end arounds with Tabe, please. Now, Kendall Wright's going to be out for week one, yes. so that's kind of a weight off our shoulder. But uh, uh, Rashard Matthews and your boy Sharp being yes. as the top two receivers and Andre Johnson as your number three, does that worry you at all? No. I I, I think, um, yeah, I think that it'll be Matthews and Sharp on the outside, and you'll see um, Andre Johnson in the slot, although they could mix that <laughs> up. You know, listen, let me tell you yeah. something. And I know Andre Johnson sucked it up in Indianapolis last year. I know that. But historically, mm-hmm. Andre Johnson has, Certainly for the Titans, been a problem in the slot um, because it's you know it's kind of like I, I would expect them to use especially the Cortland Finnegan. Yeah, right. Oh, it's that absolutely, and I would expect them to you know try and use him a little bit like w- the way you see Arizona use Larry Fitzgerald at this point mm-hmm. in in his career, and he's kind of used as a uh, that slot you know kind of like a tight end in in their system, and if they're smart, that's what they'll do. And, um, you know, and I wouldn't rule out them putting Tajay in in the slot on occasion. And you'll certainly see a healthy dose of if he's healthy. And they keep saying he's fine. Um, If he's healthy, you'll see a healthy dose dose of Delaney Walker, too. And, you know, they they just picked up Jason Morrow. And I just did. uh, Yeah, I know. I just um, I took a look at him. And hopefully you'll see that article real quick. Look at him with some film work. Uh, drop on inside the pylon in the next day or two, but you know he's he has not had he was injured for one year. He's you know a lot of his lack of success has been his own problem, but his own you know um, mm-hmm. mistakes. But um, if he can fulfill the potential that he has, you know he could be a decent ad as well. So you know, we'll see. Be a tighter, better tight end than Taylor Thompson. Yeah, yeah. I liked Taylor Thompson. I'm still sad that Taylor Thompson didn't make it. But they've had a lot of those guys, you know. They should have kept him on defense. You guys could use some pass rush help. I tell you. (laughs) No, they finally have a good – I think that they've got a real decent mix of guys. Their front seven should be good. Uh, the defense for me is the, the concern is the secondary, and um, so you're mm-hmm. you've got some talent there, and that you know um, I picked up I've got Stefan Diggs all over the place, and I have a few shares of of Charles Johnson, and I came very very close to playing Charles Johnson this weekend. Um, wow! Because the Titans secondary sucks. Yeah. Well, see, funny you mentioned that because you know, we're going to get into like what scares you about the Vikings besides. Adrian, but uh, what scares me about the Titans is Delaney friggin' Walker and have him in fantasy, going to start him in just as a kind of sadomasochist version of watching the game on Sunday. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, I've got a, a lot of time. I don't have any Titans, a lot of Vikings. I don't have any Adrian Peterson. Um, mm-hmm. It was a little rich for my blood. His ADP is pretty high. I think that I picked up Jarrett McKinnon, though, as a late-round flyer in a couple of leagues. I know at least one. I think maybe two. And, of course, I mentioned the the wide receivers. Uh, Kyle Rudolph burned me a few years ago. I stayed away oh, don't, from him. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. Yes. I stayed away from him. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, what about defensive side of the ball? Uh, the Vikings bring the table. got the Zimmer defense, fifth mm-hmm. in, the, in the league in scoring last year. Like, what stands out? To you about them? 
Well, I, I'm very concerned about about the de- defense and how the the Titans' offense is going to to handle it. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I am a big, huge Mike Zimmer fan, and um, I actually you'll like this, Andy. I actually just picked him to win Coach of the Year, and I picked the the Vikings at a, as a wild. Oh, player. nice. As a, I picked the Vikings as a wild card because I believe he'll coach that team up, and then despite the concerns about the quarterback position, and and, and those are big, but I really mm-hmm. expect that defense to be very good, and I, I've actually got the the, tight, the Vikings defense and a couple of fantasy leagues, and so I'm, you know, it for for me, um, I, I want to see how the run game does fare against your your you know uh, your front line. Hmm. Uh, random question I threw out on Twitter today. Uh, better defensive mind overall, Mike Zimmer or your your DC Dick LeBeau? Oh wow! Um, I would say, and, and I love Dick LeBeau with a qualification. I would say it's Mike Zimmer, and mm-hmm. and and that's for for one reason. I think that Mike Zimmer is able to. Um, work with the talent that he has, whereas I think for Dick LeBeau's system to work, he has to have a certain type of talent, and um, mm. and I think that's a significant difference. And, and there's you know there's no right or wrong way. For me, I prefer a coach who who can take that talent that he has and um, and, and utilize it in you know in, in the way that um, best suits them. Um, but I guess that we'll see, you know, uh, give Dick LeBeau maybe another year and, you know, fix, you know, get some more guys. I mean, they they released a lot of guys that they had drafted um, in, in the secondary, and they've got some free agents in there. And I really liked them picking up Rashad Johnson. I thought that was a great pickup. Their mm-hmm. safeties, it, the, the safety position is solid, if, if not good. Um, it's the cornerbacks that are the concern. And um, Oh, but you got a McCourty. Yeah, I like Jason McCourty. I really do. I, I like Jason McCourty. He is solid. Um, yep. And Parrish Cox, so I don't think he's back this week. I mean, that's kind of the other spot that's the concern. He's banged up. And Jason McCourty, I don't mm-hmm. think is fully healthy. So, um, yeah. And then, then of course, the slot guy. Ugh, then we'll just not even go there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I do like your safety signing, uh, R- Rashad 9.5 Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Inside joke, but the uh, yeah, going back to LeBeau, it is pretty easy to look really good if you have Joey Porter, Brett Kiesel, James Harrison, and Paul Malu. Yeah, yeah, you know, and um, Ike was good too, and you know they had a lot of talent in in that Dick LeBeau defense in in Pittsburgh. And when they started to lose those guys, that that defense mm-hmm. really didn't fare all that well, and you know. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll I, I let's just say that I hope for the best and prepare for the worst. <laughs> that, that's a good approach to have. That's just like uh, that's on the, the Minnesota Vikings fan family crest. Actually, that's our that's our go to motto. Okay, well. uh, touch a little bit more on your running back situation. Who has more touches this year, Demarco or Henry? Well, it just depends. Uh, I think that you know they would like if if they had um, a perfect world and all things fell the way that they would like it to fall. They expect it to be DeMarco Murray, and um, Mm. he certainly looked good in in the preseason. But, you know, you saw Derrick Henry get 
a healthy dose of, of carries, and he actually was, um, I think, first in the AFC and second in the league in, in terms of um, rushing mm-hmm. numbers. And so, um, you know, they obviously they wanted to save Murray as much as they could, get him, you know, in game shape, but save him as much as they could. And I think it'll just depend on which guy is, you know, for for Derrick Henry. Obviously, he's a rookie and still kind of you know learning things, but. Um, yeah, he just looks so good. It's going to be hard to keep him off the field, but I think at least early on it'll be a lot of Murray, and let's see what Henry can do with um, with what with what we give him. Uh, why do you guys hate David Cobb so much? The pride of <laughs> University of Minnesota. You know, he just—it was a numbers game, and he was injured. He missed, you know, a, a big portion of the season. Uh, and just never, you know, he just never got going here, and it's a new regime, and he wasn't their guy, and uh, and I think that they wanted, you know, they, John Robinson wants to put his stamp on the roster, and he wasn't the Robinson mm-hmm. guy. And same thing for Bishop Sankey. You could say that same thing for Bishop Sankey. Yeah, oof. Getting rid of Bishop Sankey, Justin Hunter, DGB, David Cobb, all the n- names on yes. defense, too. Justin McCluster. Uh, de- yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely revamping this. Uh, Robinson's doing it his way. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and oh. I, I don't have a problem with that. He should. Yeah. Now, conspiracy theory. <laughs> uh, Dexter McCluster was number 22. Yes. And I, I'm a big uniform number guy. And then Derrick Henry, obviously, wearing number Alabama all through the preseason. Mm-hmm. I think he was just biding his time because he knew that McCluster was going to get cut so he could take his number. Oh, I, I I went even further than that. I was like, uh, Derek Henry called his number and said, "It's either him or me," and it was him. <laughs> you know? That's good because John Robinson was like, "Man, I really <laughs> have a lot of faith in Antonio Andrews." You know, I mean, he led the team last year in rushing, so I mean. That that's something I suppose I don't know that it's saying all that much, but um, you know I mean he's a guy he came from a small school in Kentucky and um, you know kind of a local kid and it's sort of a, a feel good story. But you know he is a guy that's got some talent. Is is he going to remain there? I don't know. I think that they are um, firmly committed to keeping an eye on the waiver wire and if they can upgrade at the back end of the roster at any spot they will. Uh, we're now, now, obviously you don't wish injury upon anyone, but just being realistic, we are one play away from facing Matt Castle. So Matt <laughs> Castle versus Sean Hill. That would be exciting. Well, would it be Matt Castle? Um, or would it be trick shot Tanny? Yeah. You know, Alex Tanny looked good in the preseason. He certainly outplayed Matt Castle. And going into um, those first preseason games, I was like, well, you know, they probably won't keep Alex Tanney. You know, I'm not a big three-quarterback girl. I don't like using that um, roster spot on on certainly a guy, a developmental guy, when you already have your young guy in in Marcus Mariota. I think Mm -hmm. that it probably would be Matt Castle, but it would be a situation like Sean Hill in that, there's a short leash there, and he'd get the hook at, in a minute if um, if he struggled greatly. You know, you know how bad it was? Like I was so depressed after the Teddy injury. I was just like, you know what? I was back Matt Castle for a sixth. I'd probably <laughs> do it. 
Well, you know, I was like, oh, wow, we've got two quarterbacks on the Titans roster. What, you know, let's will and deal here. But obviously they made the the bigger move, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Not like <laughs> Sunday, I think I think Hill gets the start, but I, I think we definitely see Bradford at some point. That's just my gut feeling. In, in, in the first game, or do you think that they'll, they'll wait until the second game, or will it just depend on how things go? Uh. Well, one that that is what my gut says, but Bradford will see the field in some sort of capacity, maybe like a two minute drill offense, uh, et cetera. Uh, but week two, I think Bradford easily gets to start, start Sunday yeah. night. Yeah, Sunday night football versus the Packers. Why not? Okay. Yeah. Now, now people have a reason to watch week two Sunday night football. There you go. Bradford. Yeah. Yeah. Catch so. the fever. Uh, give me, give me a final score for Sunday. I predicted it um, this morning. I said uh, 20, Titans 27, Vikings 23. Wow. That... Yeah. Uh, I, I got Vikings 15, Titans 9. Oh, wow. Low-scoring game. Hey. This is going to be like an ugly. A, are we going to make an Avi bet on it or not? Uh, Yeah, we, we could do that. Right. So Vikings win. I call your Avi. Titans win. You got mine for a week. Yeah, but it has to be within reason. Let's all right. All right so okay. So if the PG thirteen ish. If yeah. If the if the all right. Listen. Good. No. Let's do it this way. If the Vikings win, mm-hmm. I'll um I'll I will wear a Coach Zimmer avatar for a day. And if the Titans win, you'll wear a Coach Malarkey avatar for a day. All right. That's fair. All right. Sounds good. Well, <laughs> yeah, you are on. Uh, what's coming up from you? What should people be keeping their eyes uh, peeled for? Well, um, Back Talk in the Morning, the podcast, is a long show. It's big. It's real. It's spectacular. We're going to have Jeff Lloyd on to talk some Jets and to give us his um, scouting report on the Jason Morrow situation, Jason Morrow signing. Lisa London will join me for some fantasy football talk. We'll be playing this segment uh, for our listeners as well, and hopefully uh, I've got to put some finishing finishing touches on my Jason Morrow article. Hopefully that will drop either this evening or sometime tomorrow. And then, hey, I'll be at the game this weekend. Hey, that's really hey, awesome, man. I'll all, all, this Jason Mar- all this Jason Morrow work, that's a lot of space <laughs> no. cut by like week seven. Yeah. <laughs> All right, she's Sharona. Follow her on Twitter at Sports by Sharona. Inside the Pylon NFL Female Back Talk with Sharona. Thanks for joining us. Thanks Go for Vikings. Me. All right. little beginning to Thunder Road there. Um, thanks, to again, to Andy Carlson for having me on yesterday on the Purple for the Wind podcast. That was a lot of fun. Um, I made so many I made so many bets over the last couple of weeks. I guess I better um, put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to be wearing a lot of different avatars probably. And I definitely do need to go back and listen to, watch or listen to, the fantasy show and see exactly how many bets I did make because um, it got wild and crazy in there. And I know that people were giving me a hard time about 
um, paying so much money for Tajay Sharp and, and all of that. But it was a lot of fun. And today was a lot of fun. Shout out to Jeff Lloyd and Lisa London again for joining me live. And again, to Andy Carlson of Purple for the win for the for the sit down yesterday. Uh, and, of course, to Matt Wood and Ed Kratz, who joined me on Wednesday uh, to to talk about a lot of different things. We talked about the closure of ITT Tech, as well as um, Ed joined me to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, Carson Wentz, and his thoughts on the Sam Bradford trade. Uh, who's going to start this weekend? Will it be Sean Hill? Will it be Sam Bradford? You know, we probably, um, if you're going to be at that game we'll probably see both of those guys at some point but I'm going to stick with my prediction I still expect that it's going to be Sean Hill to start and you know they'll see how things go but you know maybe he does really look bad and it's going to be Sam Bradford we'll see Um, so have a great day happy Friday thank you again for tuning in you have been listening to Bat Talk with Sharona I am your host my name is Sharona oh and by the way I've been meaning to plug this and before I forget listen to me in the morning on baseball beer and barbecue talking about the Titans and the Tennessee Volunteers and um their no huddle defense. Fun to talk, sit down and talk to to those guys, and we'll be, we'll be tweeting out a link to that as well. And hey, maybe we'll post that on uh, our segment with them on our website too. Have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Remember to be kind to one another. And again, thanks for tuning in. <laughs>